Talk Live, and you can take control of the airwaves. 855-453. That's the toll-free number, 1-855-450-3733. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com and enjoy the various features you'll find there. All of it over at freetalklive.com. We're, by the way, doing our live show tonight. And the music just seems to not fade for us. I hope it's fading on the air. <laughs> I'm going to turn your mics on now. Uh, anyway, we're here. Uh, things are live. They're a little bit uh, more rough around the edges uh, when things are live. It's a live show. You're going to get but a bunch of interviews out of the deal. Yes. there's A big a, one coming up right now. No doubt. All kinds of interesting people are in this hotel. Uh, we've got a great studio audience hanging out, enjoying one another's company out there. You can probably hear them. And uh, it is, of course, after hours at this point, so the, uh, the libations have begun flowing, as they <laughs> tend to do here at the Liberty Forum. You're hearing the laughter of uh, one Jeffrey Tucker, who is joining us uh, on the third microphone. And if you are a regular reader, or even a semi-regular reader, of LouRockwell.com, you're probably familiar with, uh, with this gentleman. It's the first time I've had the chance to meet you. Uh, is it, do you prefer Jeffrey or Jeff? Jeffrey's. Jeffrey, yes. hop on right on into that yeah. mic if you don't okay. mind. Uh, so Jeffrey is here with us and a fairly prolific blogger slash writer mm. at LouRockwell.com. Yeah, and and uh, and also uh, laissez-faire books where I'm writing daily now. Oh, really? That, yeah. There's a blog over Blogging there? for them? Yeah, well, I've got articles up there every single day, every single day, every day. I, it's just something you have to do. You know, Henry Hazlitt used to say that you have to write every day to get really good at it. So that's what I want to do. I want to write something wonderful every day. So uh, what was? tell us about some uh, recent articles. Well, and, hold on. What's the website? Laissez-faire books. Uh, yeah, laissez-faire books. LFB.org. LFB.org. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. And it's hard to spell laissez. Yeah, right. I don't know how to spell it. LFB.org. So what are, what are some recent articles? I mean, people these days don't even know what the term means anymore. It's very interesting <laughs> to me uh, that the, you know, the 19th century was well known. But it really, essentially, the word laissez-faire means to leave society alone to manage itself. That's the whole idea, which is, I think, a, a good summary of what I believe. That's my politics. Now, mm-hmm. when somebody says laissez-faire, the first thing out of somebody else's mouth is every... I mean, you just can guarantee it right. Robber barons. Yeah, oh, really, robber barons. That's the first thing that comes. That's the first thing that comes to mind. It's the first thing that I enter. I hear anybody ever say when oh, you. Well, it's been. A, it's, it's more than hundred years since we've heard. It was since we've heard anything about robber barons, and it's a very. It's been hundred years since we heard anything about Lassie Fair too. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, I have you know my view. My I have a great deal of sympathy for that for that gilded age generation of 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 uh, then you know billionaires. Um, I think they did a lot to do uh, to do magnificent things for this country. And um, I have a great deal of respect for for all that generation, and especially their love for success, their love for wealth, and their belief that the the aristocracy of society should really essentially be a meritocracy, and it should be based on what you do and what you achieve in the marketplace, which means essentially the extent to which you serve others with productive enterprise. And so many did. Uh, you know, being good at, at whatever you do provides jobs, it yeah, provides uh, right. wealth to people. And From 1870 to 1890, the average working person's income doubled. That yeah. has never happened before That's a miracle. or since. Yeah, yeah. We don't appreciate that. I wish people would go back and read the history because that was the beginning of what we call modernity uh, today. And 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 it was there's this there was a cultural sensibility around at the time that just loved success. People instead of envying wealth and wanting to tax it away and destroy it, they wanted to be like 
the the gilded age uh, aristocrats at the time. They wanted to aspire to achieve what they achieved, which was greatness, really. Well, I, and I, I and you know something. what happened? The government destroyed this generation. You know, it was it was it was, it was it was catastrophic. I mean, the the income tax. Uh, World War One was the end of this beautiful era. I mean, the, and the average person in the late nineteenth century imagined a, a century ahead of of prosperity and freedom. You know, I mean, really, there was a coming sense of utopia. We've been through Wait a war. You, you mean the war didn't make everybody more prosperous? Well, in World War One, you're talking about, yeah. <laughs> Listen, this, this was the end, really, for Europe and America. It was the end of civilization. And it, was, it came as a shock to people because, you know, in 1890, nobody believed this is something as terrible as World War One could possibly they have happened. They thought war might be over at that yeah, time. Yeah, they did. They, they well, think, look, hey, we learned the lesson, right? Yep. We killed a lot of people. Franco-Prussian war yeah. was terrible. We had terrible wars. We'll never do it again. It's a future of, uh, of peace and, and free enterprise. But um, then there were uh, many terrible mistakes that were made politically. Uh, we got the income tax. We got the Federal Reserve, which you know basically gave the state a blank check which it still has to this day, uh, which we need to eliminate. If it's we a lot harder on. to fund a war if you can't print the money. You know, I read a book recently. I think it was, you know what it was? It was Garrett Garrett. And he wrote a book called The Bubble That Broke the World. And it was, came out in 1932. He said that World War I would have lasted four months were it not for central banking. Very interesting point. Yeah, I mean, you know, if they can't if they can't just print the money, then they just can't keep rolling out those uh, those destructive machines. Yeah, that's right. I mean, this is and 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 one of the great things we're seeing, one of the wonderful political trends we're seeing over time, is a growing consciousness of the evils of central banking. And really, it is uh, nothing short of evil. I mean, that's the, what what do you not want the what the uh, what do you not want the government to have? You don't want them to have the print, printing press ever. You don't want them to have control over ideas ever. I mean, these are these are the these are the critical things that you want to keep out of their hands. I right. mean, if I you're going to have one and they're going to uh, you know yeah. be, be be stuck to yeah. uh, taking care of filling the potholes and stuff like yeah, that. That's innocuous. Uh, you would hope. And yeah, <laughs> relative to the central bank. Central bank is the, is a tremendous evil. There are other evils in this world, but that is really top among them. And I think that it's every time you mention World War 1, I, I think it's important to note that if it wasn't for World War One, specifically United States participation in World War One, you wouldn't have had World War Two. You wouldn't have had, or at least you wouldn't have had Hitler and his rise to power. Well, you probably wouldn't have had the Great Depression too, which is another in, important thing to think about. How I mean, so? Well, the Great Depression was the outcome of the debts that were acquired during the during the war. Uh, we, we put uh, we U.S. funded Europe's reconstruction mm -hmm. after the war. Accumulated massive debt. There were bubbles created all over the place. Uh, the monetarist story doesn't tell the story, but the Austrian story does. Uh, tremendous dislocations that occurred uh, within the capital structure that eventually just blew up. And maybe the Great Depression would have lasted just you know a couple of years or something until FDR got, got control. But this is the way interventionism works. I mean, one calamity leads to another, you know, and, until you break that sort of cycle of abuse of the population, which is essentially the story of the 20th century. Now, you use the term monetarist, and I've yeah. heard it, and I'd, I'd like to get what your definition of it is. Now, I've heard the term sort of Keynesian. Yeah. Now, is a monetarist include... Everybody out there that's not uh, Austrian, does it include like, the Yeah, Chicago's? well, I would say we, we, the monitor 
Trump's perspective looks very narrowly at the money supply only to explain sort of, you know, all macroeconomic events. And that is really very narrow. It's a perspective that stems from a series of macroeconomic models, and it doesn't really tell much of a story. Uh, it, you couldn't have predicted the housing bust of 2008 with a pure monetarist model. I mean, the beauty of the Bumbaverkian, you know, Misesian, Hayekian business cycle theory is that it's a, it's a complex theory that looks at the capital structure as a, as a complex system that is arranged around uh, the signaling system of the interest rate. So sure. you can get you know, these bubbles uh, appearing in special sectors like we've seen again and again over the last... Real estate, for instance. Yeah, yeah, and we're probably seeing many, many today. Do you have but, any but, predictions but, on where well, the bubbles are? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> you, you can look at many sectors right now that might might be bubble-oriented energy, perhaps maybe maybe uh, healthcare, education. You know, education. There, yeah, there are a number I think of education yeah. is a glaring, <laughs> big, giant, yeah. huge bubble floating yeah. in the room. But well, I guess the point I would say about monetarism is that it doesn't tell any of this story. Mm -hmm. You know, this narrative is is not part of the monetarist story. They're looking very narrowly at the money supply, which is still interesting to follow the money supply, which I think we should all do, which now that we have access to digital, digital media, we can go to the uh, Fred, you know, and look at all the data and look at the money, you know, money supply. Yeah, and they, it's very interesting what's happened over the last couple of years. And the money supply, I think it's very alarming. I mean, we're, we're headed into, um, I think, you know, potentially, you know, a, a, yet another, you know, boom bust phase. Where's the boom? <laughs> Jeffrey, can you stick with us for another segment? We'll oh, sure. Talk to you yeah, yeah. Uh, Jeffrey Tucker is here from Laissez-Faire Books. LFB.org is where you can go to order all manner of great books. Yeah, my favorites. The Market for Liberty is one of your. That is a mind-opening book. It really sure is. Sure, it was a big help for me. Uh, more coming up here in a moment. Eight five five four fifty three. If you got a question for Jeffrey Tucker, he can take your calls as well. It's free talk live. Why did you move to the Shire? I moved here to the Shire because there's other people around who take liberty just as seriously as I do. I moved to the Shire because I saw videos of people challenging authority and thought that I could get support myself. It called to me, like, do this right now. I wanted to be around people like me who got it. And once I got here, I knew there was nowhere else that I wanted to be. Immigrating to the Shire was easy. I was instantly plugged into a community of individuals who also care about peace, liberty, and justice and are willing to do something about it. The people here are awesome, loving, and positive. It was for the adventure and for the feeling of something important is happening here, and I just wanted to come to sort of be part of that. Visit ShireSociety.com to read and sign the Shire Society Declaration and learn the reasons why, if you love liberty, you should immigrate to the Shire. Plus, add yourself to the Shire map at ShireSociety.com. That's ShireSociety.com. What does freedom mean? Tune in to LRN.FM to find out. LRN.FM is the Liberty Radio Network, a collection of live talk radio and podcasts, all coming from a principled pro-liberty perspective. LRN.FM show hosts aren't left, right, or conspiracy kooks. You can tune in 24-7 to LRN.FM via your phone, computer, satellite, and more. Listen free anytime at LRN.FM. That's LRN.FM. Okay. At least get some taste of what the, the speakers will be speaking on. And what are some of the things that people can expect to hear coming out the next three days? So. Um, I think they're going to hear, I would say, like kind of three different 
themes. Okay. Uh, the first theme, I think they're going to be inspired. Okay. I think they're going to talk to people who are speaking in New Hampshire about do the, the things that are being done here in New Hampshire that will actually inspire them to move either now or earlier than they had planned. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of the goal of Liberty Forum. And here for the Free State Project, we have more than 1,000 movers in the state now. Uh, More than 11,000 people have signed up to move for the Free State Project. The Free State Project is, uh, well, it's incredible what's been accomplished in the first few years. Uh, I've been here, what, six years now going on, and it's, it's incredible. Yeah, it's it's amazing what un, you know just over a thousand people truly have done in such a short period of time. Uh, you know, I mean, some of the things that you can sort of quantify that have been done. There's a, been all kinds of acts of civil civil disobedience, all kinds of uh, folks, you know, taking silly laws to court. Um, I think that one of the the things that's really motivating for me is that there are about a little more than a dozen free staters that have been elected to the New Hampshire House, and the the New Hampshire Liberty Alliance has in fact. Endorsed what was it? One hundred and twenty. About one hundred and twenty. So and a quarter of the people in the New Hampshire, more than a quarter, uh, uh, you know, almost uh, almost a third of the people in New Hampshire House have been endorsed by the um, NHLA. How many of your reps are liberty oriented? NHLA is the New Hampshire Liberty Alliance. How many of your reps in your state are liberty oriented? And, and actually, uh, the NHLA had a tour today where we brought up some people who came in early to the Liberty Forum, and they got to experience uh, the Statehouse. They got led by a native New Hampshire representative, showed them around the Statehouse. They got to go see what committees were running. They ran into some free stater reps and some native liberty-loving reps. So they got a pretty good uh, taste of what it is like to be at the state house today. Yeah, the state house uh, open to the public. It's it's a very unusual state house. Many of the state houses around the country, it's like walking into an airport or something like that. You just walk in the front door at, at the New Hampshire state house. You don't have to, you know, the pat down searches and all of these things. Uh, it's 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 very it's a very sort of people's house. Here's a funny story: is uh, today uh, one of our attendees came up to me and said, "Hey, can I ask you a personal question?" And he goes, "Am I allowed to uh, carry a sidearm into the?" State House, I go, absolutely. And he was shocked. Yeah, it's shocking. It's uh, shocking to people. So it's neat that he got to see firsthand, you know, some of the freedoms we do have here in New York. The huge difference. So what are some of the speakers that we're going to be seeing uh, Um, listening to this week? There's actually one speaker here that I credit uh, to Free Talk Live from beginning is Angela Dills. Really? Um, You may or may not know, but her, a little video of her, she's an economist of Providence, Rhode Island, and she did a little clip on, you know, the economy and free markets that was posted on the free talk live page oh really and i was actually looking for economist speakers and i contacted her right after that and i don't think i ever told you guys that i <laughs> saw her first on your webpage well i'm really glad that our uh, we, we, we paid good money for that uh, that big old website so i'm glad that it's it's working out um and what's she gonna be talking about um she's gonna be talking about uh privatizing schools and choices and uh vouchers and that effect on the free market in schools i'm all for that ian you back i'm here excellent welcome yeah. We're, and we're apparently actually on the air on our streams now, too, which was the one of the problems. Before, okay. So. Well, I'm glad that the technical difficulties have been ironed out. It's only yeah. 25 minutes into the hour, right. so we're in good shape. What is uh, who's, Who else can we listen to, Chris? Um, Ira Miller, who's going to be talking about bitcoins. He's going to be on the air tonight. Yep. yep. Uh, so that was kind of neat. Uh, he was one of the guys who helped uh, the Free State Project accept bitcoins. 
Um, so we had a conversation. It was right after that. I said, I'd love to you to you know, speak to a bigger audience about what Bitcoins mean, the future, that type of stuff. We went to uh, actually uh, we had we went to dinner with Ira this evening and just, you know, fortuitously a friend was uh, with him and we ended up going to this Korean place. I had something called a bim bop bop bowl or something like that. <laughs> and it was delicious. And, and, and so about the Bitcoins, what is his what is he going to focus on? Because Bitcoins are what an Internet currency and right. And so he's going to talk about how they're created. One of the things that I always think most people don't understand is how they're created. Yeah. So I asked him to go over a little bit of the history of Bitcoins, talk about why Bitcoins exist, and then kind of the future of what he sees Bitcoins can do, you know, with, with our dollar collapsing, what, what's the future with Bitcoins? Okay. And who else? Um, I think another speaker that I think is going to be interesting is Jack Spierko. Yeah. Um, it's from the Survivalist blog? Survivalist podcast. podcast and we're, okay. a lot of people are asking about him. We got a lot of email inquiries asking about when he's speaking, what can they do to go see him. So I think that would be a very popular topic. I, I, yes, I, we're going to absolutely have him on the air. And uh, one speaker is probably not well known, but I think it's, his session will be well attended when more people find it out, is uh, Brent Markham. He's a free stater. Moved okay. up here. Didn't really plug into the system, so to speak, with activism. He came up here to farm. And he wrote a book that's really well known called Mini Farming, mm -hmm. that how for one acre you can feed most of your family wow. uh, all your food. And he, so he's excited and he wants to teach people, you know, you can be somewhat self-sufficient with just one acre of land, which most many of us have here Right, you know, one acre of land is in, <laughs> it's a backyard in New Hampshire. Right. Uh, indeed. Uh, what else can people expect to hear? Uh, Michael Bolden will be speaking from the Tenth Amendment Center. We're definitely going to have him on the air. I like that guy. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, and uh, so it's, it's Michael's been in New Hampshire before. You guys were at that rally, so he's... Uh, he's been going around the country, actually, putting on uh, these uh, Tenth Amendment Nullify Now conferences. Mm -hmm. Right, and it, it, it's kind of neat. Upstairs, some of the representatives from the New Hampshire House are here, and we were talking about Tenth Amendment bills that they've submitted, and it's going to be kind of neat because Michael's often blogs about, hey, here's what's going on in New Hampshire, so now we'll actually be able to introduce him to some of these representatives who put these bills in place. Right, and we're talking about the folks that are going to be at the, the New Hampshire Liberty Forum here coming up. We've, we're here on the opening evening of it and uh, excited about what's going to be moving forward, but the fact is, these are what people are going to be expecting throughout the next uh, three days or so to be listening on Free Talk Live, too. So expect to hear a lot of short, intensive interviews uh, from a lot of folks about a lot of different things, and it's going to be very exciting. Chris, I know what kind of work. I have some inkling as to what kind of work it is to get the, the Liberty Forum done, and I know that you and your family have sacrificed in order to get it done, and I've just got to say thanks. Thanks yeah, a thanks. lot for I'm making I'm glad it's happen. back, man. This is outstanding. I, I'm actually glad to be back. Yeah. So it's going to be a great conference this year. I actually think it's going to probably be the best one yet. You've got a big smile on your face, and I'm so pleased to see it. Um, just, <laughs> I wouldn't want to do the work it did <laughs> to put this thing together. Thank you so much. Thanks All for right. sitting in, man. I always appreciate it. All right. Thanks, guys. Thank, Thank you. you. We're coming up here on Free Talk Live, 855-453. Uh, you can, of course, bring up anything you want. 1-855-450-3733. Free Talk Live. So the only speaker... Fallen Angel Toys is a tasteful company for adult desires and fetish fantasy. Thousands of items. Vibrators, literature, blindfolds, lubes, and more. Great for bachelorette parties or serious lifestylers. We're a family-owned business with new specials every week. Discreet packaging and shipping and safe, secure checkout through PayPal. Use code FDL at checkout for 25% off your first time. No minimum purchase required. That's FallenAngelToys.com.
This is Free Talk Live, and you can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number, 855-450-FREE. That's 1-855-450-3733. You can join us on our website over at freetalklive.com. We give you the features on the site totally free, so enjoy those. Again, freetalklive.com. You can create the content on the site, submit different things to it that you find online you think are interesting that uh, you'd like our other listeners to see. And then others will vote on what they like and what they don't. The most liked will make it to the front page and the top of the website at freetalklive.com. We're here live, by the way, at the Liberty Forum, the 2012 Liberty Forum. It returns after a year's unfortunate absence, and I think it's going to be returning in a big way. Uh, I don't know how many bags they were stuffing up there today, Mark, but it looked 400. like... 400? Oh, that's a lot of bags. Yeah. You're really loud, so I'm going to turn you down a little sorry, bit. Sorry, sorry. Um, yeah, 400 bags. That's that's pretty good, but that doesn't count everybody that might just show up here uh, We don't have enough weekend. stuff for everybody, yeah. It's... Yeah. It's going to be a big weekend here in Nashua. So if you love freedom, you should be here. And that way you can network with other like-minded, liberty-oriented people. But barring that, we're probably going to interview a lot of the speakers. So <laughs> Most likely we shall. And, uh, in fact, we just got done talking with uh, Chris Lawless, who's the organizer of the event. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, sitting in with us right now is Mark Warden. We'll talk to him here in just a moment. At gold.freetalklive.com, you can get the gold and silver that you want, whether it's as a hedge against inflation or investment or barter currency, whatever reason you want to have precious metals and have them in your hand, under your control, you can get them from gold.freetalklive.com. We've teamed up with Midas Resources, a great organization that can get you the gold and silver that you want to get, and they'll get it to you fast. And, and frankly, probably some of the best rates that you're going to be able to find on the Internet. And you can see the prices right there. You can compare and shop online. That's something you need to do. Gold.freetalklive.com. And when you buy, you help Free Talk Live. It's gold.freetalklive.com. Yep. All right. So, and don't forget, uh, again, freetalklive.com. Lots of features over there, and they're all free. Now, uh, Mark Warden is the Porcupine Realtor, and we have, uh, you know, you've been on the show before, Mark. You're also a uh, state rep here in New Hampshire. That's not a secret, is it? No. Okay, because I know that. Fact, let's tell all the constituents in my district to <laughs> tell them pro-liberty all. reps. They can vote me back into office. Was it a secret that uh, that you were a, a free stater, so-called, as you were running for office? Because it seems like some of the people that got elected as uh, liberty activists wanted to kind of keep that on the quiet side. Right, and that's understandable because we've seen this past year in particular that the Democrats have really come out using the term free stater as an epithet and putting putting people down because of it. But what's funny is they lump in all sorts of folks who are just pro-liberty, and they call them free staters. So now it's sort of a badge of honor. Or or even if they're not pro-liberty, even if they're only pro-liberty on one issue, they're a free stater. Absolutely. In in that instance. They usually say Tea Party, free stater, extremist, radical, right-wing, conservative, all together. Well, and and by the way, it's worth pointing out that the first uh, free stater so-called to be elected was a Democrat here in New Hampshire. Joel uh, was his name, and I don't think he got reelected, but I'm not sure what, what happened with, with his case. Um, so for so-called free staters are, I mean, officially the definition of a free stater is somebody like the three of us. We signed up for the Free State Project at freestateproject.org. We moved our lives from where we were, and we moved here to New Hampshire to get active for liberty. So that's all a free stater really is, is somebody who's moved to New Hampshire as part of the Free State Project for Liberty. And it goes beyond that. I can tell you a story. Today we had a tour for Liberty Forum to uh, take a tour of the State House in Concord, New Hampshire. And we had a big group there, and we bumped into one of the senators, one of the state senators. And we had a chat with him and introduced the group uh, visiting for Liberty Forum. He said, 
you know, you guys, I'm the original Free Staters. I, I moved here four generations ago. <laughs> and we're, we're the reason that you guys chose New Hampshire as a free state because of our commitment to less government, individual freedom. And, you know, and that's really the truth. What, you know, frankly, I know a lot of people are frustrated by the, the advances that the Free State Project has had if it's contrary to whatever it is that they want. And I can understand that uh, frustration. But the one thing that they, um, pro- they really don't want to, to talk about is New Hampshire is already the freest, as rated by the Mercatus Center two times now, the freest state in the union. And that makes it, frankly, probably one of the freest places in the world. When you consider that the United States ranks the 13th, and that's just kind of an aggregate, an average of the states, and you consider that New Hampshire is one of the freest of the states, I don't know where that puts New Hampshire um, at, at as far as uh, ge- jurisdictions, but I'll bet it puts in the t- top 10. It may be the top five. By the way, our toll-free number here, 855-450-FREE. Uh, we're going to actually take some calls here, uh, and we'll talk maybe more about what's going on in the legislature or what you think is, is interesting up there. Well, he's the uh, Liberty Rep of the Year from the New Hampshire Liberty Alliance. Is this a new announcement? It's, it's relatively new. That's great to know. Good to know. Mark yeah, Warden. Yeah. I, I would I would consider Mark Warden the Liberty Rep of the Year. He's he the one guy that came out to support the 420 celebrations. So. And while you're taking those calls, if, <laughs> if people, shh, I'm a Republican, you can't say that on the air. <laughs> so while people want to know what the, you were smoking, what the Liberty rating is, go visit www.nhliberty.org for more information. That's right, nhliberty.org. I, I am a member of the New Hampshire Liberty Alliance. Let's go to Tom, listening in Hibbing, Minnesota, to WNMT. Tom, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello there. Hi, guys. Thanks for taking my hey, call. Tom. Oh, thanks for being hey, here. Go uh, ahead with your thoughts. I want to get your take on you know, kind of shifting the power of, of the education from the teachers' unions to parents. I, I, I would love to see the idea of shifting where parents would have control of the funds and they could, you know, basically portable, they could take them to the school of their choosing. And I hear the argument, well, then, the, you know, the government would impose the, their views on religious schools or whatever. And mm-hmm. it just seems to be that's a false argument. That you, I don't think so. In such a way that they wouldn't have control over what the school teaches. Well, unfortunately, that tends to be how it works, though. I mean, when when these vouchers come up, it essentially gives the government money to, you know, dangle in front of these private schools and say, well, we'll let you take a voucher so long as you do X, Y, and Z, and then A, B, and C, and then 50 more things that uh, that they have to do on top of that. It's just the way governments do things. And it, it seems like vouchers are kind of an end run around what really should be talked about, which is true freedom from taxation. Uh, why shouldn't families and folks be able to just keep their money in the first place rather than having to send it out to the state government and then have a bunch of state government bureaucrats take a chunk off the top for administrative fees while they send you know, cut you a check to be able to take to some school that will have to jump through some government hoops in order to get their hands on the check. Why not just let people keep their money in the first place and decide what to do with it? Tom? Well, I don't, you know, I'm, I, I favor you know, decentralizing that, that control uh, to the degree possible, but I, I just like to see some way to get that uh, power of educating children back to the parents. 
Absolutely. I think that's what the, the most important thing is. Obviously, you, you still, as a parent, you still have the ability to pull your kids out of the government school, but that doesn't solve the monetary issue. Certainly. Um, but cl- clearly, getting your kids out of government school, as we talked about last night, is an important goal that I think most parents should strive for, even if they can't get their, their money back. But think about it. If, uh, if people just had the, the political gumption or the courage to, say, gather together, because I know you're not the only parent, uh, Tom, that has this concern. A lot of parents are pretty concerned about the government school system. Imagine if, uh, well, I don't know, 15 to 100 sets of parents in your given area just decided to gather together and say, you know, we're just going to go ahead and keep our money, and we'll spend it how we want. We're taking our kids out of the government school because it wouldn't be right to not give money into the system and still send your kids to the schools. So take your kids out of the school and then have a bunch of parents gather together and say, yeah, we'll just go ahead and keep our $3,000 a year or whatever the amount is that the, the government schools are taking from you and see what they do. What do you think they would do? you think they'd steal all your homes? Tom? I don't know. You there, Tom? That's a big step. It is a big step, and it, it, it does involve risk. And, you know, you can the, – the problem is for all the people that have all the complaints about government schools, uh, they, they're not re- willing to take any risk. I'm not really willing to take that risk. If you had 100 people willing well, to stop paid property taxes? I don't. If you had 100 right, people, fine. would that change how you felt about it? I want to hear what Mark Warden has to say about what we're doing here um, in New Hampshire to solve these kind of problems. Tom, thanks for the call tonight. appreciate hearing from you. Well, not everybody is moving to New Hampshire, and they, they need solutions, too. So, you know, find some courage and find some other people with some courage who are willing to stand up and refuse to obey, and then see what happens. We're coming up here, 855-453. That's 1-855-450-3733. Free Talk Live. Hi, I'm Mark Craighead, founder of Crossbreed Holsters. Are you looking for a concealed carry holster? Crossbreed Holsters is the home of the world-famous Super Tuck, the most comfortable concealed carry holster on the market today. Try one out and see how truly discreet and comfortable carrying concealed can be. And find out why we call it the ugliest holster you'll ever love. We are the standard others try to imitate. Get the original. Get your Super Tuck at CrossbreedHolsters.com. Again, that's CrossbreedHolsters.com. This is Free Talk Live, and you can take control of the airwaves even though we are live here at the Liberty Forum. The number for you is 855-453. That's 1-855-450-3733. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. And there goes the music very unceremoniously. Uh, so <laughs> anyway, uh, 855-453 is the number here. And by the way, Free Talk Live is brought to you by SACL CAI. Uh, Jason Osborne is in the house uh, tonight, not in the room at the moment. We do have our live studio audience uh, back there. And Osborne, I'm sure, will be joining us at some point throughout the weekend. He's the guy behind SACL CAI and a major supporter of this program, longtime supporter of this show and other great liberty-oriented programs out there like Liberty Conspiracy, uh, which also appears on LRN.fm. And if you want to know more about SACL CAI, you can find their banner.
banner right at the top of our banner column over at freetalklive.com. Uh, once again, that is SACL, C-A-I. They have a full orbit approach to account recovery, and they get it done while still respecting your customers so you can keep your customers down the line. Uh, again, 855-450-FREE is the toll-free number here. We have special guests that we're going to have in and out of the studio throughout the weekend as we broadcast live from the 2012 Liberty Forum, which is just Basically, just now getting kicked off. Earlier today, there was a state house tour. Uh, were you along for that, uh, Mark Ward? Yeah, I visited with the group. So, I mean, you spent a lot of time in the state house. You are an elected uh, state representative here and a free state project participant. How many years have you lived in New Hampshire now? I'm going on five now. I moved from Las Vegas, Nevada, out to New Hampshire in Big 2007. Change, huh? Yeah. And how's it been for you now? It's I mean, been great. Yeah, you a... haven't gone away yet, so it must be working, right? The cold winters and all, but uh, some of your listeners may know that the state motto here in New Hampshire is live free or die. So it it's is. kind of a natural for people who believe in liberty and limited government and lower taxes and more individual freedom. Unfortunately, it's just a motto, and it really doesn't apply, does it? No, I've been, a lot of work I've been thinking about changing the name on the license plate to, I don't know, be taxed or die or something like it's, that. It's, you know, New Hampshire is ranked as the most free state, mm-hmm. but that's like saying we have the best form of cancer uh, because there there's still a lot of problems here in, in New Hampshire. And you're one of the guys that's able to work on it from a political side of things because you've been elected. And so what are some of the exciting things that are coming from kind of the political perspective? What's in the works right now? Well, well I appreciate the question, Ian. And let's talk about uh, legalization of, let's say, marijuana. Oh, that's I a good like one. that. I'm a Republican, and Republicans in New Hampshire are fairly conservative, yet most Republicans here understand that uh, when there's no victim, there should be no crime, and simple recreational use of uh, a plant like cannabis should not lead to jail time, which just loads the prisons and the court system. So just this week in my committee, as a matter of fact. Which is what, criminal justice? Criminal justice, which is a House committee. We had, uh, I believe, a landmark decision in which the criminal justice committee passed in approval the a bill that would decriminalize up to one half ounce of marijuana wow. and make it what's called a violation as opposed to a misdemeanor or felony offense now this has never happened before right right and so, so there have been there have been uh, like medical pot things that have come up before and they've kind of they they've made it through i think one medical pot thing made it through the state house but right. then got uh back you know beaten back by the governor and, but nothing like true decriminalization has ever come that far. Yeah, this is a bit of a milestone. Now, it hasn't passed into law yet, but it passed out of committee with a good recommendation. I expect it will pass out of the House with the same. How about, what was the vote on the committee? It was 13 to 2. That's pretty good. Yeah, it's great. Wow. All so right. next stop to the Senate, and we'll, we'll go from there, and then the, the governor. So let me see if I've got this straight. So it's a half ounce or less would be a violation instead of a misdemeanor, basically, is what right. you're saying. So you would have a fine, but you wouldn't be facing jail time. Well, if you don't pay arrest. the fine, if you don't pay the fine in New Hampshire, you get to go to jail for fifty dollars a day. But that's certainly a, a step in the right direction, and uh, I'm I'm really glad to hear about that. Mark just uh, just walking in on this conversation. Uh, the, Mark Edge, Mark Warden just told me that apparently the Criminal Justice Committee has uh, passed 13 to 2, a decrim bill for less than a half ounce of pot. Oh, and pot. I thought we were talking about gold and silver. Sorry. No, but is there any news about gold and silver <laughs> that uh, that you know of? No, we tried to make uh, gold an official currency within the state of New Hampshire, but that didn't go very far. Oh, man. So maybe next year. They did that in Utah. Um, I, you know. How about uh, homeschooling? I'm always interested in how the legislators are handling folks that are wishing to you know, pretend like they actually have the freedom to educate their kids. Yeah, your last caller had a good point about different ways to approach the payment of education, and homeschoolers kind of get gypped. 
because they have to pay property taxes, which in New Hampshire account for about two-thirds of the um, expenses for schools, mm. yet they don't take advantage of those. Same with childless couples and individuals that don't have children. Sure. They pay high taxes, pay for the expensive schools, yet they don't uh, get the benefit of that. So but I, I kind of feel like private school, uh, you know, private schools and homeschoolers really take the, they get the double stab. You know, yeah. they, they, they've got to pay for schooling and pay for somebody else's They should else's definitely schooling. get some sort of tax credit for that. But homeschooling is going strong here. We have a lot of people, a lot of different communities. Some are more religious oriented, others yeah. are not so much. Yep. And they have all sorts of activities and outlets for the kids to socialize, for sports, for act, outdoor activities. And almost to a person, every homeschooled child I've ever met, been very mature and gets along great with adults as well as children of other ages. And they seem to they seem to have a higher level of education generally than I mean when you see the spelling bee winners, it's always the homeschool kids. They practically have to shove them off into their own spelling bee to give the regular kids a chance. So tell me more, Mark. Uh, what else is coming up that you think is interesting that our listeners out there would think, "Wow, that New Hampshire, something different going on there." Well, what reminds me, your listeners, that first of all, the reason we're thought of as a free state on the roads is because if you're a motorcycle rider, you're not required to wear a helmet. Yep. And in the cars, uh, adults are not required to have a seatbelt. So cops can't pull you over just because you're not wearing a seatbelt. So that's better than most states, right? Right. And that's how it was when we got here. Those, those aren't, that's not new. Right. Right. But it's the first time these people have heard about it. So we're trying to 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 push the envelope and get a little bit freer all the time. Sure. And that uh, income tax, too. I mean, you know, no sales no tax, income. no income tax. So. so many people are just stunned when they get here. Certainly the property taxes are, are they're, they're nothing to, to sneeze at. Mm-hmm. But when you look at that, uh, you know, most, many people coming from the, the big places, uh, you know, New York, yeah. California, uh, Illinois, they're going to have an immediate upgrade in their income. Well, let's talk about the budget a little bit. And as a fiscal conservative and Republican, I want to point out that New Hampshire last year, Cut the budget by 11%. Right. How that much is your state cut by, right? right? Right. Are there any other states that budget is the budget's being cut? I don't think so. I mean, we'll invite your callers to call in if their state did it, but I think we're the only one out of 50 that actually did that. And it wasn't just 1% or a break-even or a level-funded budget. It was an 11% cut. It's historic. But wait a minute. All right. So I've heard politicians say, we cut the budget, but have taxes been cut? Will, will cutting the budget actually end up reducing taxes? That's How a great that question. At this point, no. It's in this case, we just stopped the bleeding. Where's the money it's, go? Uh, but, you know, was it was the were the cuts basically, uh, you know, going? You know, they were spending more money than they had, so therefore okay. they were based on revenues this time. Every time in the past, they would base the budget on what they wanted to spend. Okay, and then they would raise taxes to get revenues up to that level of expenditure. Yeah, they have. They were. This is a, a bit of a maverick house this year. Mm-hmm. And last year, and they said, okay, let's see realistic numbers on how much revenues are coming in, and that's how much we're going to spend, and no more. And when they saw the revenues were down from previous biennia, previous years, they said that's all we're going to spend and no more. Right. Can you imagine this, uh, a municipality or state actually sticking within its budget? I mean, it's, it's ludicrous. In this country, it just doesn't it happen. It sounds crazy, but it's true here. Right. I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy that they don't, and that it's crazy that New Hampshire does. It's amazing. So what are you looking forward to here at the Liberty Forum? Are you going to be here throughout the weekend? I'll be here all weekend. Looking forward to meeting some people that are considering moving here. I'm in the real estate business. And Perfect. I'd like to help facilitate that move for anybody that wants to invest in New Hampshire property. PorcupineRealtor.com. Yeah, that's right. You've got a catchy jingle, by the way. <laughs> you do have a really awesome jingle. For those who <laughs> Thank you, Hanarchist. <laughs> Shout out to Hannah for the that. Hanarchist, yes. Now, um, real quick, you basically put a bill in for me. Uh, can, can you go over that bill briefly, tell folks about it a little bit? In a lot of states, and also I think under federal law, 
if you're a convicted felon, you're not allowed to possess a firearm. But the definition of firearms varies by state. So here in New Hampshire, it happens to include what's called a black powder weapon. Yep. Anything that, is a, that pro- propels a projectile with gunpowder. Right. And it could be a musket, right? Something right. you see at one of these uh, Civil bomb. War reenactment It could be something from the, the 12th century. I mean, you know, these, what are these old, old-time things? And that's just ridiculous. So we put in a simple bill this year that would repeal that part of the definition to say, okay, you know, if somebody's convicted of a felon, by the way, that includes all felons. It could be a white-collar crime, yep. fraud, so totally nonviolent, maybe possession or uh, selling of drugs. Anything, so it's yeah. kind of uh, it's overreaching as it is. We said, here's a small change. Let's allow black powder weapons. That's still working its way through the House. I don't have a lot of hope for it, but, you know, we keep trying. It did make it, uh, what, what, uh, it what was the ought to pass in the committee. That doesn't mean that it's necessarily going to pass the House. And if it gets passed the House, that doesn't mean it's going to necessarily pass the Senate. And it doesn't mean that the, the governor is going to necessarily sign it. Here's but... another fun thing in that same bill. We all say, okay. tonight and the music just seems to not fade for us i hope it's fading on the air (laughs) i'm gonna turn your mics on now uh anyway we're here uh things are live they're a little bit uh, more rough around the edges uh when things are live it's a live show you're gonna get but a bunch of interviews out of the deal yes there's a big one coming up right now no doubt all kinds of interesting people are in this hotel uh we've got a great studio audience hanging out enjoying one another's company out there you can probably hear them and uh, it is, of course, after hours at this point, so the, uh, the libations have begun flowing, as they <laughs> tend to do here at the Liberty Forum. You're hearing the laughter of uh, one Jeffrey Tucker, who is joining us uh, on the third microphone. And if you are a regular reader, or even a semi-regular reader, of lourockwell.com, you're probably familiar with, uh, with this gentleman. It's the first time I've had the chance to meet you. Uh, is it, do you prefer Jeffrey or Jeff? Jeffrey's. Jeffrey, yes. hop on right on into that yeah. mic if you don't okay. mind. Uh, so Jeffrey is here with us and a fairly prolific blogger slash writer mm. at lourockwell.com. Yeah, and and uh, and also uh, laissez-faire books where I'm writing daily now. Oh, really? That, yeah. There's a blogger blogging there? for them? Yeah, well, I've got articles up there every single day, every single day, every day. I, it's just something you have to do. You know, Henry Hazlitt used to say that you have to write every day to get really good at it. So that's what I want to do. I want to write something wonderful every day. So uh, what was? tell us about some uh, recent articles. Well, and, hold on. What's the website? Laissez Faire Books? Uh, yeah, Laissez Faire Books, LFB.org. LFB.org. LFB. LFB. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. 
And what's hard to spell laissez. Yeah, right. I don't know how to spell it. LFB.org. So what are, what are some recent articles? Term, I mean, people these days don't even know what the term means anymore. It's very interesting <laughs> to me uh, that the, you know, the 19th century was well known. But it really, essentially, the word laissez-faire means to leave society alone to manage itself. That's the whole idea, which is, I think, a, a good summary of what I believe. That's my politics. Now, mm-hmm. when somebody says laissez-faire, the first thing out of somebody else's mouth is every, I mean, you just can guarantee it Rob. Robber barons. Yeah, oh, really, robber barons. That's the first thing that comes. To, that's the first thing that comes to mind. It's the first thing that I enter. I hear anybody ever say when oh, you. Well, use the it's been. A, it's it's more than hundred years since we've heard since we've heard anything about robber barons, and it's a very. It's been hundred years since we heard anything about Lossy Fair too. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, I have you know my view, my I have a great deal of sympathy for that for that gilded age generation of 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 uh, then you know billionaires. Um, I think they did a lot to do uh, to do magnificent things for this country. And um, I have a great deal of respect for for all that generation, and especially their love for success, their love for wealth, and their belief that the the aristocracy of society should really essentially be a meritocracy, and it should be based on what you do and what you achieve in the marketplace, which means essentially the extent to which you serve others with productive enterprise. And so many did. Uh, you know, being good at, at whatever you do provides jobs, it yeah, provides uh, that's right. wealth to people. And From 1870 to 1890, the average working person's income doubled. That yeah. has never happened that's before a miracle. or since. Yeah, yeah. We don't appreciate that. I wish people would go back and read the history because that was the beginning of what we call modernity uh, today. And and, and it was, there, was this, uh, there was a cultural sensibility around at the time that just loved success. People, instead of envying wealth and wanting to tax it away and destroy it, they wanted to be like uh, the the Gilded Age uh, aristocrats at the time. They wanted to aspire to achieve what they achieved, which was greatness, really. Well, I, and I, I and you know what happened? The government destroyed this generation. You know, it was it was so? it was it was catastrophic. I mean, the the income tax. Uh, World War One was the end of this beautiful era. I mean, the, and the average person in the late nineteenth century imagined a, a century ahead of of prosperity and freedom. You know, I mean, really, there was a coming sense of utopia. We've been through Wait a war. You, you mean the war didn't make everybody more prosperous? Well, in World War One, you're talking about, yeah. Listen, <laughs> this, this was the end, really, for Europe and America. It was the end of civilization. And it, was, it came as a shock to people because, you know, in 1890, nobody believed this is something as terrible as World War One could possibly they have happened. They thought war might be over at that yeah, time. Yeah, they did. They, they were well, think, look, we hey, we learned the lesson, right? Yep. We killed a lot of people. Franco-Prussian war yeah. was terrible. We had terrible wars, and we'll never do it again. It's a future of, uh, of peace and, and free enterprise. But um, then there were uh, many terrible mistakes that were made politically. Uh, we got the income tax. We got the Federal Reserve, which you know basically gave the state a blank check which it still has to this day, uh, which we need to eliminate. If it's we a lot harder to fund a war if you can't print the money. You know, I read a book recently. I think it was, you know what it was? It was Garrett Garrett. And he wrote a book called The Bubble That Broke the World. And it was, came out in 1932. He said that World War I would have lasted four months were it not for central banking. Very interesting point. Yeah, I mean, you know, if they can't if they can't just print the money, then they just can't keep rolling out those uh, those destructive machines. Yeah, that's right. I mean, this is and 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 one of the great things we're seeing, one of the wonderful political trends we're seeing of our time, is a growing consciousness of the evils of central banking. And really, it is 
uh, nothing short of evil. I mean, that's the, what. What do you not want the, what the uh, What do you not want the government to have? You don't want them to have the print, printing press ever. You don't want them to have control over ideas ever. I mean, these are these are the these are the critical things that you want to keep out of their hands. I right. mean, if I you're going to have one, and they're going to uh, you know, yeah. be, be, be stuck to yeah. uh, taking care of filling the potholes and stuff like that. Yeah, that's innocuous. Uh, you would hope. And, yeah, <laughs> relative to the central bank. Central bank is, the, is a tremendous evil. There are other evils in this world, but that is really top among them. And I think that it's every time you mention World War One, I, I think it's important to note that if it wasn't for World War One, specifically United States participation in World War One, you wouldn't have had World War Two. You wouldn't have had, or at least you wouldn't have had Hitler and his rise to power. Well, you probably wouldn't have had the Great Depression too, which is another in, important thing to think about. I How mean, so? Well, the Great Depression was the outcome of the debts that were acquired during the during the war. Uh, we, we put uh, we U.S. funded Europe's reconstruction mm -hmm. after the war. Accumulated massive debt. There were bubbles created all over the place. Uh, the monetarist story doesn't tell the story, but the Austrian story does. Uh, tremendous dislocations that occurred uh, within the capital structure that eventually just blew up. And maybe the Great Depression would have lasted just you know a couple of years or something until FDR got, got control. But this is the way interventionism works. I mean, one calamity leads to another, you know, and, until you break that sort of cycle of abuse of the population, which is essentially the story of the 20th century. Now, you use the term monetarist, and I've yeah. heard it, and I'd, I'd like to get what your definition of it is. Now, I've heard the term sort of Keynesian. Yeah. Now, is a monetarist include... Everybody out there that's not uh, Austrian, does it include like the yeah, Well, I would say we, we, the monetarist perspective looks very narrowly at the money supply only to explain sort of, you know, all macroeconomic events. And that is really very narrow. It's a perspective that stems from a series of macroeconomic models. And it doesn't really tell much of a story. Uh, it, you couldn't have predicted the housing bust of 2008 with a pure monetarist model. I mean, the beauty of the Bumbaverkian, you know, Misesian, Hayekian business cycle theory is that it's a it's a complex theory that looks at the capital structure as a as a complex system that is arranged around uh, the signaling system of the interest rate. So sure. you can get you know these bubbles uh, appearing in special sectors like we've seen again and again over the last real estate, for instance. Yeah, yeah, and we're probably seeing many, many today. Do you have but, any but, predictions but, on where well, bubbles are? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> you, you can look at many sectors right now that might might be bubble-oriented. Energy, perhaps, maybe, maybe uh, healthcare, education. You know, education. There, yeah, there a number. I think of education yeah. is the glaring, the big giant, <laughs> yeah. huge bubble floating yeah. in the room. But well, I guess the point I would say about monetarism is that it doesn't tell any of this story. Mm -hmm. You know, this narrative is not part of the monetarist story. They're looking very narrowly at the money supply, which is still interesting to follow the money supply, which I think we should all do, which now that we have access to digital digital media, we can go to the uh, Fred, you know, and look at all the data and look at the money, you know, money supply. And it's very interesting what's happened over the last couple of years. And the money supply, I think it's very alarming. I mean, we're, we're headed into, um, I think, you know, potentially, you know, a, a, yet another, you know, boom bust phase. Where's the boom? <laughs> Jeffrey, can you stick with us for another segment? We'll oh, like sure. To talk to you yeah, yeah. Uh, Jeffrey Tucker is here from Laissez-Faire Books. LFB.org is where you can go to order all manner of great books. Yeah. My favorites, The Market for Liberty is one of your... That is a mind-opening book. It, it really sure is. It was a big help for me. <laughs> uh, more coming up here in a moment. 855-453. If you've got a question for Jeffrey Tucker, you can take your calls as well. It's Free Talk Live. Are you looking for camping, hunting, or shooting gear? 
ManVentureOutpost.com carries knives, ammunition, scopes, binoculars, laser sights, fish finders, and boating equipment from manufacturers like Aimpoint, Bushnell, Otterbox, Crimson Trace, K-Bar, Remington, Streamlight, Winchester, and more. ManVentureOutpost.com. Family owned and members of the Better Business Bureau. Prices so low, some can't be advertised. Get an additional 5% off with coupon code FTL. Get it quick. Get it from ManVentureOutpost.com. This is Free Talk Live, and we are live on location at the Liberty Forum. The 2012 Liberty Forum, it has been too long since we've been here, because last year there was no Liberty Forum. There was no 2011 Liberty Forum. There was uh, an unfortunate mishap with the organizer uh, last time around, and they've uh, they brought the original organizer back on board, the guy that knows how to get it done, uh, Chris Lawless. We started the show out with him uh, tonight. Lots of exciting things are on the itinerary for the weekend. Lots of interesting guests are going to be milling about and speaking, and uh, we'll have uh, panel discussions as well. Uh, tomorrow afternoon, I'll be on a panel about civil disobedience with uh, Pete Nademo from CopBlock.org. And we are talking with one of the other uh, speakers. We've got a gentleman that's going to be doing the opening ceremony tomorrow uh, is with us here, Jeffrey Tucker from LFB.org, laissez-faire books. We're going to continue with uh, that discussion here in a moment. Uh, part of the fun of doing an Internet-based business is dealing with all the technical glitches that pop up, such as the one that the Beezer Brothers discovered last week at their Big Head Press website. Both the purchase links and their uh, sale page for the latest graphic novel, Escape from Terra, Volume 2, were fouled up in such a way that it was impossible for fans to order the book. So if you don't know about Escape from Terra, you can go to BigHeadPress.com and check out the online comic. It's awesome. But it's great to have the book in your hands, too. And I have the first volume. I get the second. So it's set out in space. They're escaping from Terra. So they fixed the problems, and now to make amends to the fans that have been thwarted by those glitches, uh, through Saturday, they're offering the book for $2 off the list price of $14.95, and that makes it $12.95 plus shipping. They're doing a Mardi Gras sale because, well, frankly, voluntarists doing a President's Day sale just doesn't make any sense. <laughs> <laughs> you can find the book at uh, BigHeadPress.com. It's BigHeadPress.com. So Jeffrey Tucker here, uh, now the apparently the new owner. Is it all you or are you in with a group of people? Well, so Agora Financial uh, took it over, which is, I think, a brilliant entrepreneurial decision. They sat on it for about a year, and then they uh, called me in to you know, run LFB and to bring it into the digital age. And it's been a blast. I've been there one, two, three, four, four months. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you that within the next two months, um, some wonderful things are going to happen. Well, so, I can imagine because we were having a brief conversation during the break there about intellectual property. Mm. And I was telling you about how several years ago now I, I found the market for liberty. Right. Uh, and I think it was actually LouRockwell.com is how I found out about the book and somehow ended up getting it in my hands and just being blown away by it right. at that time. Life changing. What's that? Yeah, it was it was a pretty important book for me. Did you say life changing? It's life changing. Yeah. If, yeah. if you have, if you don't know what the, we're talking about, the market so, for liberty. But yeah. why? I mean, it's because it's it, maybe it's the first book you've ever read that helps you imagine uh, the possibility of completely organizing society without a state. It exactly was. It really addressed the issues of uh, justice and policing in ways that I'd never heard of before. That's and it, right. It really, I had to re read through those sections a second time to really kind of uh, right. to grasp them. But it, it, it's explained in such an 
easy to understand manner. Mm. It's not it doesn't talk over right. anybody. But, but and yet, you know, I think it's important that you point out that this book goes beyond just being its merit is not just that it's accessible. It made a gigantic contribution to scholarship also. The first real book that explained the role of insurance and the provision of security in the market economy. Mm -hmm. And this was a, a huge contribution. And let me, let me say something about the author. Is it okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so the authors, these people that you've never heard of, the, the Tannehills. Tannehills. My, my vision of them is in sitting in a, like a trailer home or something, surrounded by books by Rand and Rothbard, right? And they're trying to think. But they're brilliant people, these, this couple. They're brilliant. And they're trying to think through things. And they wrote this book in a, like a white heat. You know, and in the course, have you ever had a conversation with somebody where you stayed up too late, way yeah. too late, mm -hmm. yeah. and you had like brilliant insights and things you wish you'd written them down? It felt like well, that. Well, they, they wrote them down. Yeah. And, and there you have the record of what they came up with over the course of maybe, you know, several months or something, almost an ideological frenzy. You know, that's what you want. And that's where brilliant things come about. And, and you know so ahead of its time, by the so way. So ahead. And it did it come it out of the, the early 70s. That's right. And the, the things that they were talking about doing back then are so much easier to accomplish they now are. in the information age. It was incredible. Well, and they, they were the first to really fully imagine what a, what a free market justice system would look like. And if you, and, and, and these days it's a lot, in, in the post 9-11 world, you know, we understand that what the government calls justice isn't justice at all. It's a scam, you know, from the beginning into the mm -hmm. end, oh, yeah. you know. I mean, a crime is committed and then, you know, some elected politician, you know, well, a bunch of thugs show up and, you know, make a mess of things and then an elected politician tries to use the crime for its own benefit and the victims, they don't never get compensated and the criminal, you know, no matter how bad he is, is, is made worse because he's thrown in, into, this, into this prison to, to be in a sea of other criminals and the whole thing is and, and the taxpayers are taxed to provide for the, and now we've got this huge criminal state and this is what's called justice. I mean, it's yeah, a scam from the beginning. But in Anyway, this book exposed it, you know, so early, long before anybody else was thinking about it. And it was a result of kind of the, the combination of Randian theorizing plus Rothbardian uh, uh, anarchist thinking and smashing the two together and, and generating totally new ideas, which at the time were totally, completely revolutionary. And for a lot of people, they, they still are. And that's why I yeah. thought, when I, when I read that book, I thought, wow, a lot, of, a lot more people need to hear about this. Yeah, so I got no, they do. Yeah. The old LFB, mm -hmm. uh, laissez-faire books, and uh, cut a, a, an agreement with them where I would read the book into yeah. an audiobook form, and then uh, you know the, the deal was that I'd get to distribute that for free. Right. Uh, and, and there have been thousands of downloads ever since yeah. then of this, which yeah. I'm, inevitably is going to send people to buy the hard copy. Well, and whether it does or not, it doesn't matter, because, you know, what matters is the ideas, and 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 I, you know That's when what you, I love about yeah, you, well, well, when you thank you for that. When you said when you said why well, I went, went into agreement, why should you have to go into an agreement with anybody <laughs> to distribute ideas? It's preposterous. I mean, the one thing you don't want government involved in. Or I said money earlier, but I also said ideas. Intellectual property is a great scam of the century, and it is a brand new idea. It came about about the same time, really, as the income tax and the central banks, mm -hmm. and suddenly there's intellectual property too. You know, and we we it, it, it's it's a racket. I'm so glad for the work of Stefan Kinsella, because libertarians are now beginning to understand this. Under LFB's new policies, everything is completely open source, as it would be in the free market. I mean, we're not going to be... That deserves a round of applause, yeah, yeah. guys. I mean, that's incredible. Yeah. yeah. Well, as an example... And let me say, too, that we're going to do it... On, we're doing it on a for-profit model, too. Uh, so we're using the free market in every single respect. So no Exciting. intellectual property and, 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 and doing it on a for-profit model, as was done for the whole of human history, I must say. I mean, like I say, yeah. intellectual property is... is, is 
it's a, a brand new thing. I mean, uh, Shakespeare didn't use it. Beethoven didn't use it. Bach didn't use it. Right. I mean, v- Vivaldi, uh, Brahms, um, uh, Wagner. I mean, you know, <laughs> you could just, all the literature circulated all throughout the 19th century in the, in the United States was mostly English literature. Why? Because there was no intellectual property protection over it in the United States. Therefore, it had a huge influence. Um, and that's why we love it. So you're Dickens saying big things are coming from uh, Big Lesley things are coming. Books. I can't tell you any, 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 Not any yet, details. But if people go to LFB.org, they can find your they blog can, they there. Will, they, will find, they will find out more. Uh, they can read you know, my ramblings uh, you know, every day. I think I have an article up today, which, uh, which you just have to read. Which I mean, maybe you can have me back on air to talk about this very important subject, which is um, the history of silly putty. <laughs> okay? And, I, and all the lessons you can learn about, about life from the history of silly putty. It's, it's a... Very serious subject. <laughs> Real quick, uh, LFB.org in order to buy the market for liberty by the uh, the Tannehills, Morris and what Tannehill? What was Morris and Linda. Linda? Morris and Linda yeah. Tannehill. Or Amazing people. Never heard from them before or since. Incredible. Book.freetalklive.com. Yeah. They, they, they made a great, gigantic contribution to history. You can download it at book.freetalklive.com. Jeffrey Tucker, great to meet you. Okay, Thanks for coming on Free Talk here. Live tonight. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, and have a great enjoy the Liberty Forum. It's I'm, a great I'm, event. I'm, I'm going to love it. I can already tell. Fantastic. Yeah. More coming up here, uh, 855-450-FREE. If you have uh, any questions, any issues, any stuff you want to discuss, we'll certainly still take your calls about anything. We've got more great guests. This is Free Talk Live, and we are here in Nashua, New Hampshire, at the beautiful Crown Plaza Hotel with a a, a growing group of liberty-minded people, which could be topping out around 500 as the weekend goes on. It's going to be a great time at the Liberty Forum. If you have the chance to make it up to Nashua, New Hampshire this weekend, even if it's just for a day, uh, come on out to this event. You're going to have the chance to meet hundreds of other like-minded, liberty-oriented people, many of whom have already made the move to New Hampshire as part of the Free State Project, and others who are considering making the move. Maybe they're on the fence, and they want to see what this is all about. They want to see if what we've been saying maybe on Free Talk Live or what they've been seeing online uh, with various different activist videos and uh, news reports and such, is it real? Is this actually happening? And the answer is, well, yeah, here we are. Uh, there's uh, so many great people here to meet and, and talk to and network with, and uh, we're going to be continuing to to, uh, to interview some folks here in just a moment. Uh, but first, we're going to go to your phone calls. However, prior to that, Mark, tell me about Jurisdictionary. If you've ever been the victim of an injustice and decided to do nothing about it because attorneys just cost too much, Jurisdictionary.com is a course for you. It's a course for people who don't have attorneys. It arms you with the very important information on how to use the court's rules. You've got to be able to make motions. Uh, you know, to, to, You have to move the court, have to know how to make objections. Until you know these rules, you're fighting in the dark. You get no chance. Uh, it works for plaintiffs or defendants in civil or criminal matters in state or federal courts. Costs less than an hour with any good attorney in the four-CD course. So easy the average eighth grader can learn it in a weekend. You visit Jurisdictionary.com. Download all the free tools they have there for you. Try them out. Then buy the course. It's Jurisdictionary.com. Remember, when you, when you do buy the course, use the pull-down menu uh, when you check out to let them know you heard it from Free Talk Live. It's Jurisdictionary.com. So uh, here we actually have it on our third microphone is Megan. Is it Duffield or Dufield? Duffield. Duffield. Come yeah. right on close to that mic if you don't mind. Hello. Megan Duffield is here, and uh, you are from the Silver Circle movie. We've had you on the, the show uh, in the past, and as well as the director of the movie, Pasha. 
Roberts. Uh, yeah, Josh Roberts. And uh, Silver Circle, actually, a, a Free Talk Live advertiser as well. But give us a brief uh a concept of what this movie is. Sure. Well, it's an animated feature-length film about the economic collapse. So it's set in 2019 um, after the dollar has has become no longer the world's reserve currency. Prices have inflated to 20 times what we know today. And basically, there's just economic calamity uh, within the United States. So this group of rebels band together to try to destroy the culprit, the Federal Reserve. Hmm. That sounds interesting. I've not seen the film. It's not finished yet, right? No, it's um, it's been a long time coming, but we're looking for a release date this year in August um, of 2012. So it's not concrete yet, but August is definitely something we're shooting for, a 17-city theatrical release. Wow. Um, as well as the film festival circuit. We're shooting for a Telluride Film Festival and Toronto Film Festival later this year. I want to talk more about uh, what you guys are up to with Silver Circle, but we actually have a caller on the line here, and uh, apparently God is on hold. Uh, God, I've been waiting to hear from him. From everywhere. Oh, wow. uh, I've got a lot of questions. <laughs> God, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello. Hello there. You're on the air. Go ahead. I am calling because I would like to give you the opportunity to ask me some questions. Well, Mark, you just said oh. you had a lot of questions. So. I pictured your voice a lot lower. <laughs> I have to restrain the form of your questions to ones that start with why or how. <laughs> okay. I am not a trivia machine. <laughs> um, well, I guess I want to know, which one of these books that uh, everybody claims you wrote, did you write? None of them. You didn't write any of those books? No, but this it's is just... a trivia issue. I have not read every book. One of them could perceivably be my thoughts or feelings. I cannot speak, certainly, on the matter. Well, I, 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 I'm glad to hear it because some of those books just really make me angry. How, how is it that you can be so uncertain? God, how is it that you can be so uncertain about this matter? Because I am. I am not all knowing. Those of you, really? Those, those who said I am are full of themselves and would like to think themselves as all knowing. I am not a trivia machine. That's what my iPad is for. I have a question. I have a question. Uh, Megan has a question. Dear God, why is it that it's so much easier for guys to pee outside? Because why did you do that? Penises. Well, does that oh, say, thank you for clearing that up. Well, thank we know it's what the directional spout is called, but we're wondering, you know, like, why, why did, did you do that? I love the outdoors. It wasn't intentional. It was a byproduct. Somebody has to be the receptacle for genetic material. Unfortunately, your gender was rendered Ouch. without the proper equipment. It was an oversight. I apologize. Ouch. You may have gotten something in the trade. Yeah, though. you got an extra bonus out of the deal, though. Uh, Thank God, you. Anything else that, I mean, you've got an international audience right now, God. Is there anything, obviously you're taking questions from us, but uh, is there anything that you wanted to get out there, I mean, while you have a bunch of people listening around the world? Yes, I would like to encourage people to stop spouting that intelligent design baloney. It is insulting. Do you have any idea how complex your appendix is? I was not interested in putting it together one atom at a time. It was simply more efficient for me to set the wheels in motion, as it were, especially being that I am not, as they claim, all-powerful. 
So please stop. Okay, so I've got a good if question. If you're not all powerful, what did you do? I set it in motion. I see. And much how did you that, do that? Much in the way you would set up a uh, Lego system. Ah, excellent. God, thanks for the call tonight. Appreciate it. Feel free to call Thank us you. back any other time. Appreciate it. My uh, Legos don't make themselves. Good <laughs> Legos are a lot of freaking work. one 855 So the Silver Circle movie at silvercirclemovie.com. What are you doing here this weekend? What, uh, what will Silver Circle be here uh, doing at the Liberty Forum? Well, we have a nice little surprise for everyone that's attending and anyone who's been to any other free state events like Pork Fest and, and other things like that that go on around the state. Uh, we have a extend, an extended clip of the film, so we'll be showing off some finished animation oh, cool. in a very extended format that no one else has seen yet. And also, I don't know if people remember, but in Porkfest 2010, we took some green screen footage of attendees at one of our events, and we have actually animated some uh, free staters as well as liberty activists from around the country, and we'll be showing off their extra characters. So you've turned real-life people into animated versions of themselves. Yes, some animated liberty activists that are underground making illegitimate silver and um, <laughs> fighting against the Federal Reserve in 2019. One of them is a pretty hot polygon, I've got to say. Is that right? You've seen this footage? Mark well, has I, the hots for it. I've kept an eye out. <laughs> I see. All right, great. So what else did you want to share uh, with our audience this evening? Well, I mean, aside from that, I just encourage everyone to check out the website, silvercirclemovie.com, to learn all about what's happening and uh, keeping up with uh, all the news that we keep on top of. We, we have all the latest in Fed news and things like that. Uh, but like I said, this August we'll be releasing the film. And we actually have some really you know, great cameo appearances in the film. I don't know if anyone is a metal fan, but John Schaefer from Iced Earth is actually a cameo actor. I bet Pete's very excited. Pete Ayer from, he uh, is. from <laughs> copblock.org. I always keep him up on any heavy metal things we have going on. Yeah, you guys are doing some great marketing for this movie. You're going around it. You're, with that, uh, you're at Sundance. We, well, we submitted to Sundance. We didn't get accepted. Okay. However, at the state we were in with the film, it made sense. What was the other one? Uh, uh, South by Southwest. That's the one I was We'll be to. there in March. Okay. Um, we won't be screening the film, but we'll be promoting the film and putting together an Austin kind of liberty activist meetup and hopefully screening uh, part of the film there. And you've been hitting a lot of uh, comic book conventions. You'll love it, Mark. Yeah. Yes, you I should come it. with us sometime. Love, you I would love, love that. <laughs> but we just got back from Megacon down in Florida, and I'm not kidding when I say this. Uh, myself and Wes Messamore, who was down there helping us for the weekend, had conversations with anywhere between 12 and 17-year-olds about money. You know, we're at this comic convention with kids looking for comic books and movies and the latest in that pop culture sub, you know, area. And we're talking about money with them, showing them silver. People bought it. Did they get it? Yeah. These 12-year-olds were buying ounces of silver from us for the first time in their life. That's exciting. It's not yeah. that hard to get. I mean, you just have to be introduced to these ideas, and that's part of what Silver Circle Movie is going to do for folks. Exactly. Right? And I even said, you know, the other day. we got to go. It's good having oh. you on. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want. Dial in toll-free, 855-450-FREE. We are on location here in Nashua, New Hampshire at the Crown Plaza Hotel for the weekend. Going to be broadcasting live uh, both Friday and Saturday nights. 
And we'll have plenty of time to talk to you, of course, about whatever's on your mind, but also to talk to some very interesting folks that are here uh, throughout this hotel uh, for the weekend, various different speakers uh, that uh, are talking on a whole bunch of different topics. I mean, whether you're interested in sustainability and farming or bitcoins, as we'll be talking about here in a moment, or let's see, I, I believe there's going to be a civil disobedience panel. There's going to be a We Made the Move panel, people that have, have moved to New Hampshire recently, their experiences. So you'll be able to network with all kinds of uh, people this weekend. I know Jody Emery is uh, is in the building as well from Cannabis Culture Magazine. So from money to to marijuana to you know self sustainability, it's all over the map. Uh, John, yeah. John Lott from More Guns Less Crime is going to be here as well. So lots of guns. Did you, Mark Warden, the state rep, was sitting here doing an interview with us? I don't think he even noticed that he was carrying a, a, a sidearm. I uh, know I did not notice. Yep, that. Happens all the time. We're right here in one of the nicest hotels in New Hampshire. People are walking around with sidearms on. Yep, and well, nobody thinks anything of it. And some of them are drinking too. Uh, well, that's just that's how it goes. I don't necessarily <laughs> recommend them both together. I don't. I don't necessarily recommend that either. But as long as it stays on your side and you're not whipping it out and uh, right. fiddling with it, there's only a problem if there's a problem. No big deal. Uh, so eight five five four fifty free is the toll free number here, and we've got uh, another gentleman sitting in with us. It's going to talk to us about something that Mark, you and I have become pretty familiar with over the uh, over the last year or so. Year what? Year and a half maybe that we've been. talking Talking about bitcoins? I don't know. <laughs> uh, definitely the last year, and Bitcoin's pretty exciting. I I think it's a great technology. I've I've been using them myself, and as have uh, as have you, Mark. Uh, we've of course talked about BitInstant.com, which is one of the uh, the new websites that's out there to help you do transactions with bitcoins. To get bitcoins, yeah. Yeah, to get your hands on some of them. And we've got Ira Miller uh, joining us here. And Ira, you're going to be speaking tomorrow in the afternoon at two thirty. It looks like. Uh, on the subject of Bitcoins, and you are one of the programmers that's involved in Bitcoins. Am I right about that? I'm not actually involved in the... Oh, a little closer, if you don't mind. Uh, I'm not actually involved in the, the Bitcoin client. I write tools uh, that use Bitcoin, uh, you know, marketing platforms, merchant services, all sorts of things. What is the... Uh, Bitcoins for dummies. Uh, you know, what's the elevator speech on Bit- Bitcoins? Uh, the elevator speech is that it's uh, person-to-person money. Uh, you know, there's no middleman, uh, funds can't be frozen, no fees. Uh, it's just two people that want to exchange something. How did, how did you get into it? What turned you on to Bitcoin? Uh, well, that that nature of it, uh, that is peer-to-peer, uh, open source. Uh, you know, the I don't like middlemen um, telling me what to do, mm-hmm. where I can spend my money, how I can spend my money, uh, anything of that nature, or how much of my money there is, you know, the, the supply of it even. Uh, so bitcoins are a digital currency. They exist online. That's correct. We had somebody call, I think it was last night, maybe it was the night before. What happens if the Internet goes down in some kind of cataclysmic, I don't, I don't know, comets? Um, you know, what, whatever happens that makes the Internet go down, the backbone is what he referred to. What happens? Can you use bitcoins at that point? Uh, you actually could. Uh, it'd be a little harder. Uh, you can use uh, bitcoins in person. There's something called cashless coins, which are uh, a physical Bitcoin that I can I can hand you just like I, I, I hand right you. Here. Yeah. yeah, well, there you go. Yeah, so you're you're familiar with it. But uh, really, what what Bitcoin is is it's money based on the scarcity of mathematics. So you know, it's a rare number. Uh, as long as you have uh, the only copy of that number, then you've got the money. 
I think it's a great technology, and, and there's some really interesting uses that uh, the marketplace, the free marketplace, is developing on this because the Bitcoin market is an un- unencumbered market. There is no government regulation. There's no uh, you know controlling central bank. There's uh, there's nobody that can tell you you can't use a Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. You know, where, whereas if you go into a bank, you've got to have social security number. You've got to jump through whatever transactions don't cost anything, and you don't have to deal with the great Satan of the internet, PayPal. I mean, you know, it, true. when when it comes to as a, a vendor, when you're selling online with PayPal, essentially. You you can you could be screwed five ways to Sunday. I mean, they can do you know they can just take your the money back that you've been paid. They can do all kinds of things to you. It's like dealing with credit card companies. You know, people always talk about banks and PayPal when uh, they're talking about money, privacy, things like that. But it's it's not just online. It's not just banks. Uh, you know, you you go to Home Depot. You go to uh, you know King Supers uh, anywhere, and you slide your credit card. Uh, they've got your name, your your zip code, you know, your obviously your credit card number, you know, way more information than you'd be comfortable giving anyone. With Bitcoin, there's none of that information. It's no. just, it's all, I don't know how you describe it. It's just this big long tag of numbers and letters that identifies an account, basically, that has no information attached to it whatsoever. Yep. So one of the th- concerns that I had with Bitcoin, and we actually discussed it over dinner this evening, is currencies throughout uh, human history, barring, say, uh, gold and silver, but fiat currencies specifically, currencies made by man, uh, have had their life cycles. They've, you know, mm-hmm. they've risen and they've fallen. Some of them have been controlled by governments. Some of them, most, most of them are controlled by governments. Some of them haven't. Bitcoins, surely there must be, you know, we're seeing them rise now. They've gotten mm-hmm. past the initial stages to, their, to the point where, you know, people beyond, say, just the early adopters are, are getting into them. I, I can use them. I know they're not that complicated. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, they're cryptology. Right? So somebody's written some kind of puzzle or something, right? Mm-hmm. And at some point, somebody's going to break that puzzle. And then when they break that puzzle, my Bitcoins are worthless. What are you going to do about that, Ira? Uh, well, I mean, you, you make the puzzle harder, if you will. Okay. Uh, you know, so they can change? Well, I mean, for instance, you, you do online banking right now. It uses much of the same uh, cryptographic technology to... Uh, Actually, my it, wife does it. I'm not really allowed to touch too much money. But. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you can take that power back, too, with Bitcoin. <laughs> <laughs> I gave it to her for a reason. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. Well, I, I mean, basically, you know, all secure communication is, is based off of a, a few protocols of uh, encryption, uh, you know, so that your message is only uh, readable by the person it's intended for. Uh, and as uh, you know, the technology to break that encryption improves. You know, will improve the technology to protect the messages. So Bitcoin is open source, and it's currently protected by what's what's the standard SAU two or something you said? SHA two. SHA two, which is what the highest, what the standard that the government uses for their cryptographic. Yeah, that's stuff. that's correct. That's uh, I, I believe a, a NIST standard uh, okay. that it's been around for a little while. We're about to come out with SHA three. Right. Wait so, a minute. So wait, the government's involved in this? What are you talking about? No, the government. You, this is a cryptographic standard by which the wealthiest organizations in the world use to hide their stuff. This it's, is the highest level of cryptography. It's actually right. an open source standard too. Is is all cryptographic? So when, so the government didn't come up with this, is what you're saying? No, no. Okay. Uh, they've simply uh, put their stamp of approval on it. 
it's what they use for military communications. Got it. And the government couldn't come up with something this good, apparently. Uh, so when this is not. broken, when S, S, they can't even use email. What is SH? SHA. When SHA two is broken, and it will be, HH three, SHA three, SH whatever it is you're saying, <laughs> two and three, three. When, yeah. when three comes out. They'll, that'll just be slipped right into Bitcoins by the because it's open source and it'll be adopted and it'll just be slipped right in. So Bitcoins have the ability to, into the future, evolve forward because when it comes to the puzzle making, people can make the the cryptography better than the breaking uh, uh, computers out there, right? Is that that's doing right. my best, man? I don't know, no, <laughs> I, you know. <laughs> Uh, cryptography has uh, been been staying ahead of the code breakers for uh, decades. As long as there's been cryptography, right? <laughs> yeah, basically. Uh, but particularly since World War II, you know, in the introduction of of uh, Turing machines, if you will. <laughs> sure, sure. I mean, yeah. now we've, we're all using Turing machines. We carry them around in our pockets and stuff. So you're involved in BitInstant.com, right? I uh, we're we're working with them right now on uh, a way to get bit, make it easier for people to get bitcoins. And what would that be? I mean, what's can you tell us about that? Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, the the system we're working on, and BitInstant has a lot of this. They, they deserve a, a lot of the credit. Uh, you you'll be able to deposit cash in a bank, uh, you know, major banks all over the all over the country, uh, and simply get bitcoins in your email for it. Wow, uh, that's pretty amazing. Makes now, sense. how does that? I mean, do you have to cut a deal with these big banks? How does that work exactly? I mean, you got a bank account. You can deposit money into it. Uh, mm-hmm. Once you verify that the money's there, then send out bitcoins uh worth the same amount of money neat i i trust that you guys know what you're doing because it's just amazing what's happening in the in the world of bitcoins i mean so many new services are always coming about and some of them come and some of them go so it's always good to keep your own bitcoins in your own wallet we've seen there's a little yeah. bit of instability and it's it's a new marketplace and so some of the uh, some of the organizations out there i question how long they'll be viable for um, so you know buyer beware when it comes to the bitcoin uh, where you, you store them it's yeah. very really important we use coins.org we'll tell you more about it if you're brand new to it but ira if folks want to learn more they should be here tomorrow because then they can talk to you directly and ask much more technical smart questions right uh, then we'll be able to ask you on this program at 2 30 2 30 tomorrow afternoon here at the liberty forum in nashville new hampshire at the crown plaza hotel beautiful hotel glad you're here by the way first time not your first time in new hampshire this is my first it time in new hampshire first time in new wonderful hampshire. state you're say. gonna enjoy this it's this weekend great people here as you probably already figured out there's more coming up here out over three is on the way thanks for sitting in with us more on the way this is free talk live Where do you want to go today? It's the 1,000 Places Travel Minute with Patricia Schultz, renowned travel expert and author of the number one New York Times bestseller, 1,000 Places to See Before You Die, with one more place to add to your traveler's life list. Stockholm's archipelago in Sweden is one of my thousand places to see before you die. Sweden's summer is brief but glorious, and the Stockholm archipelago is one of the best places to celebrate it. Go kayaking, biking, or simply walk the unpaved island roads and take in the magnificent scenery. The archipelago is a latticework of some 24,000 islands and smooth glacier-polished outcroppings that dot a 150-mile stretch off of Sweden's eastern coast. The islands feature a number of restaurants that range from rustic to daring, and it's possible to sail from one delicious meal to the next. One of the joys of visiting Northern Europe in the summertime are the very long, very light, and lovely warm days, making the Stockholm archipelago an especially perfect choice. You'll see why artists and writers have long been drawn to this string of floating beauties. For more tips and information on the very best places to visit on your travels, please visit Patricia Schultz at 1000places.com. 
Do you know over 6 million people a year visit the Eiffel Tower? What you may not know is that just around the corner is a hidden cafe with the best croissants in Paris. When you travel with Trafalgar, you'll travel with an insider who will show you must-see sites and share unique experiences. So call 1-866-544-4434 today for a free brochure or visit us at Trafalgar.com. See the world from the inside with Trafalgar. Here on Free Talk Live, we've been pretty excited about the Bitcoin. It's a decentralized, free market digital currency. You can learn more about it at WeUseCoins.com. But if you already have some Bitcoins and you'd like to spend them, you can spend them at SpendBitcoins.com. When you spend Bitcoins on Amazon via SpendBitcoins.com, Free Talk Live gets a cut. Or if you're an Australian trying to figure out how to buy Bitcoins, you can buy them with cash at AU.SpendBitcoins.com. Once again, that's SpendBitcoins.com. This is Free Talk Live. We are launching into the third hour of the program. You, as always, are invited to take control of the airwaves. Bring up anything you might like. 855-450-FREE is the SACL CAI toll free line. 1-855-450-3733. You can join us on our website over at freetalklive.com. Enjoy the various features that we have there for you. You actually can control the content of the website. The way you do that is you submit show prep to it. So you find something online you think is interesting. Maybe it's a YouTube video. Uh, perhaps it is uh, maybe a news article or a blog post. You find it. You put it on our website. And then others get to vote as to whether or not they like or dislike your suggestion. The most liked make it to the front page and the top of the website. So you can see that and get interactive over at freetalklive.com. We're broadcasting live as we will be both uh, Friday and Saturday nights. Broadcasting live from the 2012 Liberty Forum here in Nashville, New Hampshire, the beautiful Crown Plaza Hotel, as it has been for the last several years. It took a year off, unfortunately, in 2011, but it's back in a big way. And uh, we're seeing uh, what, what appears to be a fairly good crowd for the yeah. first evening. Uh, at least uh, if, if our studio audience is any indicator, people are already here enjoying themselves and meeting new folks, new faces here at the Liberty Forum. And really, that's what this event for me is all about, uh, is meeting people that that uh, I've not had the chance to meet before, whether they be special guests who might be speaking at the Liberty Forum, or maybe they're just folks that are here attending, because everybody has an interesting story. Everybody is here for, for different reasons. But overall, the overarching theme, of course, is that, well, it's the Liberty Forum, so people here are pretty friendly to the ideas of freedom. <laughs> and, uh, and you know, that makes for great conversations, because when you start a conversation with somebody at the Liberty Forum, you know you don't have to cover the ground rules or the basics of liberty with them. They're already there with you. You can get into the more esoteric matters on uh, various different issues, if you like, or just, you know, kick back a few, uh, you know, enjoy some, uh, some you know, libations and talk about whatever. It's a great group of people, and you don't want to miss out. If you can get to Nashville, New Hampshire at any time this this weekend, it will be worth your while. You can still walk right in and get a day pass. You don't have to buy for the whole weekend. Uh, come on up. Don't miss this event. It's fantastic. Go to freestateproject.org slash libertyforum. That's where you can learn more about this event. 
And one of the things we always do at Liberty Forum is we talk to some of the, the guests that are here in the hotel, uh, some people that are here to, to give speeches, for instance, and, uh, and or appear on panels, etc. And, Mark, would you like to introduce our, our next guest? Right. You know, and everybody gets to, everybody gets to have their favorites, right? Everybody gets to have the, the people that they like to. And, and this one's mine. Uh, Dan, it's a, uh, you are, I'm going to get a little superlative here, probably the premier expert on uh, New Hampshire's constitution, uh, you know, obviously. It's, it's a relatively small state, not, not a lot of people contending for it, but you know the history of New Hampshire's Constitution in a way that most folks don't. Tell me how New Hampshire's Constitution uh, influenced the U.S. Constitution. Well, first of all, you have to realize that the Constitu- New Hampshire had the first government restrained by a written constitution in the history of the world. Wow. January 5th, 1775. You'll notice that's like a year before. <laughs> they hadn't even I, fought a revolution. I'm sorry, 1776. It's, it's six months before the Declaration of Independence. It happened because the people of New Hampshire had rolled a cannon up to the governor's front door. And they sound pretty upset. (laughs) Well, he was harboring somebody inside that they wanted to bring to uh, popular justice. Gotcha. And and they were demanding this individual come come out. I've never figured out what he is. I did know his name at one time. But the governor decided it was no longer safe for him. He uh, retreated to Nova Scotia and became the governor of Nova Scotia. But all of a sudden, as as that year progressed, 1775. The social structure of New Hampshire broke down and got more lawless and more and more lawless out in the the hinter regions. And uh, come December 21st, the people, the the colonial legislature said, we've got no government. And so it took them about 10 days to write a constitution, ratify it. And so we had free government. It was in many ways, it was the last, that we, we then used that throughout the War for Independence and then toward the end, starting in 1779, we had the, first, the world's first constitutional convention. And that was important because now you had a body independent of the legislature creating the rules by which the legislature and the executive and the judiciary would govern. Well, it would seem, were, were many of the people in the Constitutional Convention end up being legislators? There was crossover, but it was not, a, it was not uniformly the same, okay. same body. And we, were the, we are the only body politic that has ever rejected a proposed constitution. We rejected the first draft and the second draft and adopted the third draft. That third draft was the last of the post-colonial constitutions. I was going to ask you about that because many people will say that, well, New Hampshire, it just copied some stuff off of the good constitution. Well, that was exactly, well, it's often knocked off as a copy of the Massachusetts constitution, but it's not. It has very substantial and significant differences. It actually went through and borrowed the best of all of the previous 12 constitutions. And as a result, 
Yeah, I've done. I'm an engineer, so I set up a spreadsheet and I took out. Uh, Your state rep too. I'm a state rep too, <laughs> but I took out. I took. I identified quintessential liberties that are put forth in the state constitutions. About 15 or 16 of them, and only New Hampshire has them all. Because we went through and we took the cream of the crop. We took the best articulations. And people talk about our, our right of revolution. I was going to, that, that, that's my next question, and they, and they, as you can imagine. Well, and they, and they say, well, we're the only state that has that. Wrong. We are one of five states that has that. Oh, okay. But no. only, uh, only ours in Maryland's, not Massachusetts, only ours in Maryland's has that last sentence. The doctrine of non-resistance against arbitrary power and oppression is absurd, slavish, and destructive of the good and happiness of mankind. I, I love that language, and I like the, uh, the idea of this uh, right to revolution. And There's a lot in the New Hampshire Constitution that's really out It's not a right to revolution. That's just the title that some government functionary put on it. There are no titles in the Constitution. If you read that article, it says that whenever the ends of government are perverted and the public liberty manifested, manifestly endangered and all other right of, method of redress is ineffectual, the people may and of a right ought to reform the old or establish a new government. So that's election, constitutional convention, not the nuclear option, hopefully. So, I don't have but, but, but the word ought means it is an obligation, a duty. Mm -hmm. It is not a right to revolution. It is a duty. It's all, it's all good, but unfortunately, uh, you know, the words on paper don't really seem to do very much when you've got little tyrants wearing black robes that uh, interpret it in whatever way they want to. So, for instance, there's supposed to be the freedom of the press in New Hampshire, but I've been banned from a courthouse property for asking people questions with a video camera. Who has the authority to interpret the Constitution of New Hampshire? Uh, men with black robes. Where? Does, does it say that in this document? I, that's usually how it goes. General does it say that in this document? Uh, you know, I don't know. Honestly, I'm uh, the answer that. is no, it does not. Part 1, Article 35 gives the, the judges the duty of interpreting the laws. Every other place that word laws appears in the Constitution of New Hampshire, it means laws pursuant to the Constitution, not the Constitution itself. And in fact, in that same article, when they meant Constitution, they said Constitution, referring to the uh, term of office. If they had meant laws and constitution, they would have said laws and constitution. The power of interpreting the Constitution of New Hampshire is given to the people of New Hampshire in Part 1, Article 38, in which they are directed to read, study, and discuss the Constitution, use it as the measure of whom they send to Concord, and it is they, the people, who have the right to require the lawgivers and the magistrates, and that includes the judges. Well, I sure hope that we can start to see the people of New Hampshire holding these people accountable, because it seems like right questions. now, uh, if you want to stick with us, we can... I am... I'm more with uh, Dan Itza here in a moment, because it seems right now they're just doing whatever they want to, and there's nothing we can do about it. Uh, more coming up here at 855-453. It's Free Talk Live. Liberty Forum will be here all weekend long, and I'm excited. I'm glad to be here again. Uh, it's always a great time to be around other like-minded, liberty-oriented people. Uh, 855-450-FREE is the toll-free number here tonight. If you would like to get on the air and bring up whatever you want, you can still do that. Obviously, we also have uh, special guests in here, which is unusual for Free Talk Live. Uh, this show is uh, a show that is focused 
on taking calls about whatever's on your mind. So the phone lines are still open, and it's, it's rare that we have guests on the show at all. But when we're out on live on location with all manner of interesting people surrounding us, it would be folly to not open up our third microphone to many of these interesting folks. Uh, so, again, 855-453 is the toll-free number. We'll continue in moments. But first. You know, a, a lot of people are, are like me, and they just don't have the time to sit down and carve out a time part of your day to read a book anymore. Audible.com is the leading provider of premium digital spoken audio information and entertainment. They've got every category that the the big box bookstores have, whether it's business, classics, fiction, history, science fiction, everything. The popular books, then the there's more than 150,000 titles available at audible.com. It's fast, it's easy, it's affordable. I can do it. So I know you can do it. <laughs> Audible.com. You can go get a free download. Just try, try, find out how easy it is. Go to audiblepodcast.com slash FTL. They'll ask you for some information there, and uh, they'll give you a free download. If if it isn't everything you imagine, you can cancel the subscription. It's audiblepodcast.com slash FTL for your free audiobook. All right, so we're here again at the Liberty Forum. We're at the Nashua Crown Plaza Hotel. Be here all weekend. Lots of great speakers will be here, uh, and more importantly, hundreds of like-minded, liberty-oriented people all in the same hotel. It's a great time. Highly recommend you come up if you possibly can. If you can't make it up this weekend, we'll just keep listening because uh, we'll be talking to a number of those speakers here on the show. And then start making plans for next year because this is uh, an excellent event that you really don't want to miss if you love freedom, that is. If you're a fascist or a socialist, <laughs> stay away. Uh, but uh, Dan Itza is here with us. He is one of the state representatives and a fairly long-time state rep. I, I mean, I've, we've been here, what, about six years now, Mark? And I'm pretty sure you've been a state rep ever since we've been here. So how long have you been in the state house? Oh, let me turn on your mic. That would help, huh? Get nice Go and ahead. close to that mic, too. Uh, I'm in my sixth term, so I'm completing my 12th session. Okay, great. And uh, you, what another distinction you have besides being a state rep, and, and everybody has to have a real job, too, here in New Hampshire, because state reps get paid what? $200 a year, which works out to 184.76 after taxes, <laughs> plus mileage, and the, and the money's in the mileage. The money is in the mileage, sure. <laughs> what, what do you guys get, like 33 cents a mile or something? Actually, we get 44 cents a mile. Well, you can drive big cars to uh, the, the state house. And, you know, I I'm, do, I do. I'm sure if you're up there, at the, <laughs> at, up there in Coas County or something, that mileage is really important. Um, and, but you're an engineer also, and uh, as I introduced you previously, probably one of the uh, premier experts on, uh, I would, I'm going to go ahead and say, the premier expert of, on New Hampshire's Constitution. And there's some interesting distinctions about New Hampshire's Constitution, and, and one of them is that, uh, you know, it's not, because we're always taught in school, judges interpret the Constitution. But that's not so in New Hampshire. Essentially, the, the people do in the, in the form of the general court, right? That is correct. And we are the general court. That is the proper name for the body. And one of the interesting... That's the state house, I should that, say. Well, no, that's the legislature. Right. The, the, house, the house and Senate okay. collaboratively are the general court. I did not know that. All right. And one of the interesting things is in talking about freedom of speech, which, oh, that's right, it's Article 30, um, which is kind of in the deliberate the freedom of deliberation speech and debate in the either house or the legislature is so essential to the rights of the people that it cannot be the foundation of any action complaint or prosecution in any other court 
Do you, do you know, one more time on that? Like, <laughs> translate that. <laughs> well, the inter the thing where I was really going with that. Okay, what it says is we the, le- the the reps and senators cannot be restrained in what we say on the floor because it's so important to the liberty of the people that we say whatever we need to. Uh-huh. But it cannot be the foundation of any action or prosecution in any other court, which means we are a court. I guess that makes sense. Got it. Right. I mean, so we are the general court. Until 1966, we created all of the judicatories, all the judicial courts of the states, of the state. I think there's no doubt that uh, New Hampshire's constitution is probably the best in the whole the whole country. Uh, in my opinion, uh, it and, is. And I think that it shows that it, the proof's in the pudding in that New Hampshire is the freest of the 50 states. So I think there's something to the idea that having a well-worded constitution makes a difference. Uh, unfortunately, New Hampshire's got a load of problems, just like in a lot of uh, a lot of other places. And as Lysander Spooner put it in the late 1800s, either the Constitution authorized the tyranny that we have today, or it was powerless to prevent it. And I give you an example uh, previously of how I've been banned for life, uh, forever, until they decide to rescind this ban from a piece of property which I believe to be public, the county courthouse in Cheshire County, New Hampshire. Myself and other uh, folks, as well, there have been at least three people, including myself, who have been given no trespass orders by the man calling himself the sheriff uh, from this particular location. And the reason, they claim, is because we were harassing the employees. Now, their idea of harassing is us standing in the parking lot with video cameras asking questions. This happened after the employees of this very court dragged a friend of ours in handcuffs out of the uh, the courtroom because, or not the courtroom, but out of the lobby and arrested him because he had a, dared to bring a video camera into the building. And, you know, when I read the New Hampshire Constitution, I believe it's Article 22, which is the freedom of the press, if I'm not mistaken, uh, that it shall be involubly preserved. I believe that's uh, the language. Invaluable, that's a pretty you know, serious-sounding term. Uh, but yet, the you know what it means? It shall not, you know, basically, no, there's no way in hell this is going to be, be violated. Yeah. It shall not be violated. And so, uh, so they have been violating it in the in the very courts of New Hampshire, not the general court. You can bring cam- cameras in there, your court. We can bring all but, kinds of things in but, there, but right, guns even too. <laughs> uh, but you can't bring guns or cameras into the uh, the courthouse buildings in New Hampshire. Although they've been re- they've been playing around with the rules over the last several months. They've changed them one way and then they've changed them a different way. But during the time in which they had banned them, uh, Jason Talley from Talley.tv had brought a camera in and they arrested him for it. So we wanted to hold them accountable and ask them questions about why they would arrest a member of the media for bringing a camera in, try to do his job in this uh, in this building. And they didn't like that very much because we can't go in the building with cameras and ask them questions to hold them accountable. So we stood in the parking lot and waited for them to come to work and waited for them to leave work. The only chance we have to try to hold them accountable. So their solution to that, we'll just ban you from the entire courthouse property and threaten you with uh, with arrest. I mean, so... So do you have a what, petition for redress? You know, I've been working on uh, on that. It's just been, it's been a bit of a difficult process because I've got a lot of of things to do with my life, right? Uh, you know, I don't have a well, whole bunch do, of time. Do, do you understand the process? No, not at all. I've, okay. Why don't you tell me? What, what you need to know, first of all, you have to understand that there are two constitutions that uh, positively protect your, st- or still protect your right of redress before the legislature. It did exist in pretty much all of the constitutions, colonial, post-colonial constitutions. 
that you had a right of redress before the legislature. It's supposed to be in the uh, the, the federal constitution too. It, 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 it is there. It is there. It in part, in they ignored that. that. Yeah, they, the, the Supreme Court right. basically said, "Yeah, you can re- you can uh, send us your grievances, but we don't well, have to who, read them." Well, who who are you supposed to petition to? Well, who does who does the first article of the Bill of Rights speak to? Congress shall make no law. Sure. So who do you address your grievance to? You assume Congress. Congress correct. There's more coming up here because I want to find out what happens if uh, if I you know put this grievance out there and it's ignored. Well, you don't. You don't. Right no, you don't put the grievance out there. We'll come back with more in a moment. Here, this is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. We're here at the Liberty Forum 2012 Liberty Forum at Nashua, New Hampshire's Crown Plaza Hotel. All weekend long, by the way. We'll be broadcasting live both Friday and Saturday nights. And we're here uh, to talk to you, of course, about whatever you want at 855-450-FREE. You can bring up anything that you want. Also, you can join us on our website over at freetalklive.com. We've got live streams there uh, in different flavors for you. The uh, broadband version is available. The mid-band and narrow-band version, all there and all free for you at listen.freetalklive.com. In addition, you can learn about our great radio stations, over 100 of them across the country, uh, that bring you this show at various different times throughout the week. Satellite listening options, including XM Satellite Radio, as well as our free-to-air KU band channel. Uh, there are so many different ways to, to listen, and we've also got listen lines. So if, for instance, you can't connect in any other way, you can always call via any phone that can dial long distance. There's also our webcam. The audio is working on the webcam tonight, but since we're on location, there's no video there. So you can go and enjoy all of that over at listen.freetalklive.com. That's listen.freetalklive.com. Now, I, I, I feel like, you know... I, I don't want to be too, uh, I, I guess, niche uh, in this conversation. We, this is an international show, and we're talking with Dan Itza here, who's one of the uh, the state representatives here in New Hampshire, about some of the things that make New Hampshire unique. And we are talking uh, frequently on this program about New Hampshire and the things that are happening here and how it is that uh, liberty-minded people are moving in as part of the Free State Project, something that you're very familiar with, Dan, as I understand it. You've you've been well aware of the Free State Project for, uh, for a long time. And... Uh, and so what we're focusing on here is something that makes New, one of the many things that makes New Hampshire a unique place, and that is this, you know, the right to redress of grievances, the right to uh, to have grievances be heard uh, by the, the state legislature. And uh, these are this is something that doesn't really exist in other places, or does it? How, are well, you aware of that? Uh, How many other states? It's it's in the still in the Maryland Constitution, mm-hmm. unamended as it is in ours. It existed in most of the state constitutions, though most of them have been amended so that you had the right of redress before uh, before government or before the mem- those in government. So it admits to uh, redress before other branches of government. Uh, Massachusetts exchanged their right of redress before the legislature for their petition process, which specifically says you can't modify anything about the judiciary. Thank you. Now, if you look at our constitution... Part 1, Article 17 clearly puts the jurisdiction over criminal issues in the judicatories of the state, the court, the, the, under the judiciary. Part 1, Article 20, by inference, because you're guaranteed a right to trial by jury, clearly puts civil matters between two or more persons in the judicatories of the state. However, Part 1, Articles 31 and 32 clearly make controversies of the people against the government. Criminal is the government against the people. The people against the government 
The jurisdiction is the legislature. And that's very, very important for a couple of reasons. First, it costs nothing to come into us. That, that was taken care of in part one, what's now part one, article seven, because, uh, William Plummer, uh, the, the, during the first eight years of our republic, uh, reps were taking fees for entering petitions for redress. Mm-hmm. Oh boy. And that says that you cannot take any money uh, or be compensated for any matter before the general court. So, and that's why that's there. It also demonstrates that indeed we did have this petition process in addition to the House journals. Well, I'm glad to hear that because one of the frustrations for me has been when these government goons are attacking peaceful people in New Hampshire, which happens all the time, uh, you know, a lot of people can't afford to go to court, and also, uh, I not only do I not want to pay the court just on a principled matter, I could afford it if I wanted to, but I don't want to give them money because I think they're criminals. But they aren't the right, they are not the constitutional venue. Mm-hmm. Right, that's the what I'm The legislature is the constitutional venue. And so what you're saying is that, that there's a prohibition on the legislature charging people to come before them and, and air this grievance, and you're saying that this grievance process doesn't exist in other places. It is not in any practical sense, no. And it hasn't existed here for 100 years. Why? What, what happened for those 100 years? Well, it's, uh, it begins in 19, uh, 1816, 1818. And you kind of look at, at, at the... It's historical. It's, it's period. 1816, 1818. You're 35 years out from the foundation of the state. Uh, the uh, uh, John Langdon, president during the Revolution... Uh, president during the first, uh, under the 1784 Constitution, um, one of the fir- first U.S. Senators, President of the first U.S. Senate, comes back, he's governor, state senator again. He passes away in 1819. So these people, the, the founders of the state have retired from government. Mm-hmm. Okay? Now, the first period of our republic, the most frequent action before the general court was petitions for redress. The most frequent object of those petitions was the judiciary. 1816, So people were being, uh, they were being aggressed against, they were being harmed, and the, they were coming to the legislature overwhelmingly saying there's, there's serious problems. And the legislature would correct it. Or if, it, if there was a loss of due process, the legislature would look at the court and say, do over. Mm-hmm. So now uh, you have a flip-flop in the legislature. Each flip, the flip and the flop, each replace all of the the judicatories of the state. They, we had then until until 1966 the power to just wipe out courts, and we wiped out all the courts, created new ones, wiped them out again. You have a flip flop in the legislature, so you have a, a super normal replacement of legislators. Summation is that you lose all of the institutional memory of the government. So the new blood comes in; they don't realize what's going on. Okay, they- now the the uh, in Merrill versus Sherburn. The judiciary says, oh, this is a breach of the separation of powers. I could go into it in a lot more detail. Of course but basically, they, they lie. And aggregate more power to themselves. Aggregate right? more power to themselves. As government will. And say that the legislature can't hear petitions for redress against the judiciary. Which is why now in the aughts, a couple of years ago, when this, this, I guess, this redress panel that you guys have created just recently. Committee. Committee. Uh, with this redress committee has been created recently, the head of the district courts in New Hampshire, Edwin Kelly, comes out and writes an article, an op-ed for the, the top newspaper in the state, coming out vehement opposition to this because he knows it's a threat to their power. Of course. 
God forbid the people, the legislators should know how they're abusing the people. Now, or they'd be held to any kind of account. And right, boy, are they? Let me tell you. I, I know. Believe me, the, the the redress committee has heard more than just a little. Um, one of the uh, so what happens is over the period of the the uh, 19th century, uh, the people are, are no longer get redress against the courts in the general court, and the court itself starts hearing petitions for redress against the other parts of government. And they are faster than we are. We're the legislature. We're, we are necessarily characteristically slow and clumsy. It was designed to be, to slow. be slow and clumsy, yeah. yes. We're supposed to be slow and clumsy. Thank the intention you. was to keep it from growing too quickly, sadly. Um, and, you know, it worked in New Hampshire more than it has in other states, but sadly it has not been entirely effective over the course of so, 200 years. So they're now they're, they are hearing these problems, or they're he- hearing these complaints against government faster, albeit at a cost. And so the people get used to that. And it's a lot of work, and during the early part of the 20th century, the laws governing due process and redress of grievances just kind of got dropped in the 1925 recodification. No hearing, no nothing. and People just forgot about it. And, and people just forgot about it. Yeah. So it's back. So, so I was challenged to write a, a commentary for the Constitution of New Hampshire, and lo and behold, I saw this thing, redress of grievances. Look at that. We're supposed to be hearing when the people are injured by the government. It's, in fact, our first duty. We convene to hear petitions for redress and to make needful laws. They're Great. pretty good at that lawmaking. Well, I hope, it, I hope it continues. I think it's a, if, the, okay. if the head judge is against it, then it's a good thing. And, uh, and <laughs> he's, now, he's now the most powerful judge in the state. Oh, boy. That's no good. I, well, now, look. I know I've heard that they're going to try to stop this, like that uh, there there are forces afoot that don't want this redress uh, committee to continue. What are the chances that this could be put put to sleep again? Like, what are the chances this is this going to be over next year? Um, if Speaker O'Brien is become speaker again, it will not it will continue. I guess we'll find out if we uh, find if somebody else gets put in there, um, it is very likely to disappear. Well, we shall see what happens. Uh, Dan, it's a thanks for well, sitting I, in with us here tonight. Can we do another one? Because I want to tell the process. Maybe. In every age, a technology is created that upends the foundations of society. The wheel, the printing press, the Internet. Now, in a world sliding into financial chaos, a new technology is changing the way monetary systems work around the world. It is called Bitcoin. Bitcoin is a new form of money, controlled not by banks, governments, or corporations, but through mutual commerce between free individuals. To learn more, visit WeUseCoins.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want. Even in these remaining moments, we can sneak in at 855-453. We're here live at the Liberty Forum. The 2012 edition will be here all weekend, broadcasting Friday and Saturday nights. And, of course, you can join us uh, at any time online at freetalklive.com. Our number, again, 855-453. And uh, joining us here on the third mic, uh, Dan Itza is uh, with us tonight. He is one of the uh, the state legislators, uh, 12 years now in the, the state legislature, and or the general court, as it is called here in New Hampshire. We're kind of talking about some of the things that make New Hampshire really a unique place. And this is the New Hampshire Liberty Forum, so you're probably going to hear a little bit more about New Hampshire than the average uh, Free Talk Live 
but we also have guests that are going to be on talking about national uh, matters of, uh, of importance. But but there's something happening here in New Hampshire that's really unique, and it sure would be nice if something like this happened in other places, but odds are it won't. So if you want it to continue, come to New Hampshire, join the Free State Project, and get active here so we can continue on this path of trying to hold these government goons accountable as they continue to just run roughshod over top of people's liberties and, uh, and freedoms. And that's why the Grievance Committee was formed uh, to hear, to, to have, allow people to air their grievances in front of a legislative panel that can then make recommendations, as I understand it, to the full legislature. And, Dan, it's a, what, like, what can the, this, this panel do? Like, ultimately, I, I mentioned to you that I've been banned from, a, um, from the court from the entire property of the court. I can't even go in the parking lot. I can't even stand on the sidewalk out front of this place. It's crazy. Uh, but it's it's at the order of the sheriff. I haven't been convicted of anything. He just sent gave me a piece of paper saying that uh, you can't come back here. If so, we'll arrest you and charge you with trespassing. And it's because we say that you've been harassing someone, even though you haven't been convicted of harassment or whatever. And be sure to keep paying your taxes. Uh, right. Yeah. Keep paying for my office while uh, while you can't use you know the services that we're supposedly providing to you. So it seems like a clear violation of freedom of the press, clear violation of you know the right to assemble. I mean, all kinds of obvious constant. Constitutional violations. If this were to go in front of the grievance panel and the grievance panel were to say, yeah, clear violations, what would come after that? Like what in theory could happen to the sheriff in this case? Well, let, let's, let's back up a little bit. Let, let's, how would you do this? Okay. Okay. People don't just go and submit uh, petitions to the legislature. Legislation can only be introduced by a legislator. Got it. So you would go and find a legislator who agreed with you that your constitutional rights, some uh, uh, statutory uh, privilege had been violated, that, that the uh, uh, individual in question had uh, uh, acted under the color of law, mm-hmm. some, some, some manner in which you had been injured by a member of government. Right. So he now takes this uh, petition, if it's right now under this current rules, if it was at the proper period of time, he could just enter it with all other legislation. If you're outside of the few weeks that we can enter legislation, then he would have to bring it before the Rules Committee and say, this is why it needs to be entered now, because uh, it happened after the drafting period. It uh, Right, people's it, rights are being uh, destroyed right. constantly. So, so, something that makes it uh, present and urgent. Mm-hmm. Okay, So you go before the Rules Committee, we'll say, and... You just give a the, the rep gives a brief summary of what the grievance is. Yep. And the rules committee says, "Yep, we'll let it in or no we won't. You have to go back and tell us a better legislative one of the things you have to do is have a legislative remedy. Something that the legislature is actually authorized to do as a response. They don't want to just listen for the sake of listening." Yeah. So what what could that so, entail? That, so that so well, let's go through the whole so we'll say it's granted. Now you and the legislator have to sit down and produce for the chairman of the committee a succinct summary. Mm-hmm. So you can look at it and say, yeah, I think this is something that I really that the committee really needs to spend time on. We'll say that happens. He says, yep, that's really good. So now you and the legislator sit down and create a three- to five-page summary, including any attachments of documents that demonstrate that what you say happened really did happen. Mm-hmm. So for in your instance, you would attach... Uh, a copy of the of of the uh, order, right? That says yes, I was ordered not to come on court property. 
Now you go, you go before the committee and you tell what happened, you state your case, and this is how you were injured. If the committee now says, yeah, there's really something here, we've got we to find out what really happened, they will then invite the other party, the right. injuring party, in, to make their case of why they had the power to do this or whatever. So would they then ask that person, you know, how in the Constitution were you... Or by what, st- by what statute did yeah. we give you the power to? Or, you know, what authorized you to do this? How, how are you not violating freedom of the press? Mm-hmm. Great. Okay. In the event that that was finally found in your favor... The by the court committee. by the committee, they would recommend and eventually and eventually I mean like for the next legislative session, um, a change in the law that makes it clear that they can't do that, or um, um, uh, could they in theory remove one of these people from their they, public they, office? They, they could they could enter a bill of impeachment or if if what you happened outside of regular duties uh, a bill of address. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, they could, they could, as a result of your petition, and that is something that people are asking for, is impeachment of particular uh, judges. judges so. or, uh, in fact, one that was entered, I can't remember if it was this week or, it must have been the week before. Uh, it was a petition against uh, five judges and three marital masters and two JALs. Yep. Well, then, though the GALs are not, are not impeachable, but and it's questionable whether the masters are impeachable, but the judges are certainly impeachable. So a a result of that could be an impeachment of a a uh, judge or And if a judge is impeached, does that mean they get to continue on the bench or are no, they done? it means that they can never serve in the government of New Hampshire ever again. Do, do they not get their pension? That is not there's nothing in the Constitution that says so, and, and there's that good says reason. says they do get the pension, it says they don't. That says nothing. It's silent. I see. And the reason is is that at the time of, that the Constitution was written, uh, pensions were only granted by the legislature one year at a time. Hmm. And, and that's the way the, the Constitution is really written. Uh, so we would each year we would vote to give Joe Schmo $100. But they stopped pension. that, huh? Well, we created a, a it's complicated. We, we created a modern pension system, and made it so that we authorize it year to year. So the pension system could be unauthorized as a, as a whole, is what you're saying? Of course, it could. But that would be nice because that costs a lot of money, by the way. The or you, or you could, or you could change it. You could change its organization. You could say we're setting up a 401k style thing, and the legislature at any time will put into it whatever the legislature has in its back pocket. That's the only expedient uh, solution to the the problem we have today, because you would you know, hellfire and brimstone would rain down if you just decided to stop funding uh, pensions. Right. But you, the 401k is is fair and expedient. So you uh, let's change gears here. Uh, this grievance panel or the committee is I think it's a good thing. I hope it continues on, and I hope Darn that we well see better. some I hope that we see some positive action taken against these aggressors in in the government. Uh, but uh, you know, you're here at the Liberty Forum. It's a Free State Project event. How have things changed in New Hampshire in the last, uh, you know, half a decade that you've been observing since as these uh, Free Staters, Liberty activists, have been moving in? Well, we had a funny thing happened up in the legislature. We Over the past two terms, and flip-flops have always occurred over two terms, we've had a flip-flop in the legislature. Mm-hmm. Uh, it means that w- instead of... Uh, getting rid of the usual one-third or exchanging the usual one-third that we do every year. We have, over the course of four years, exchanged about two-thirds twice. Wow. 
that leaves us with a historical opportunity. Every time, in the, both times in the past that we've had a flip-flop in the legislature, the people have lost liberty. It doesn't mean that you lose liberty. It means that you can change the paradigm of government. That makes sense. Sure. Knowing the power of the opportunity, I have worked with others that in this time, instead of losing liberty, we have restored liberty. We have stored, restored a Constitution Committee to make sure to the degree possible that we are passing only constitutional laws, that we have a force for removing unconstitutional laws, and we have reinstituted the process of redress of grievances. We've changed, we have changed the paradigm of government. We must continue it so that it becomes our habit rather than aberration. So would you say that moving more liberty-minded people here would be helpful to that? Well, end? since this legislature uh, has about 40 or so members that are here either as members of or closely associated with the Free State Project mm -hmm. and the Liberty Alliance, I'd say, yeah, it's had an effect. Yeah. So it's let's the libertarian more, veto. No, let, it only do, do you remember HCR 6 uh, three or so years ago right, I, and I wanna... the outburst in the gallery? There are at least 20 members that are on the floor of the House that that day were in the gallery of the legislature. I'll tell you what, uh, Dan, it's always uh, interesting having you on. A constitutional expert, uh, appreciate your time tonight. We're done for this evening for our first night from the 2012 Liberty Forum, but more coming up tomorrow. Uh, we'll be here all weekend long talking to all manner of uh, liberty-minded people. Still to come, uh, we're going to hopefully talk to uh, folks like Jody Emery from Cannabis Culture as well as uh, Carlos Miller, the famous or the infamous uh, photographer who stands up for the freedom to record. We'll uh, hopefully talk to them maybe tomorrow night. See you then. Free Talk Live.